Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by John Hertz, K-Man in Manhattan. We'll get the K-State perspective on conference realignment, how OU and Texas's move to the SEC affects the rest of the remaining Big 12, including the Wildcats. Also get a 2021 season preview of K-State football when John joins us just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, and we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up at the end of today's show. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, we brought the Summer of Jones to T-Town this week. Good to be back home, as always. There's no place like home, as they say. And I got to see you do this music bingo thing and I got to say, like, that was straight fire. I, I think this is going to catch on. You know, I'm hoping so. I do it at, you know, three Tulsa places now. It's pretty easy money for the most part, and nobody else is doing it in Tulsa. I know there's one one little person in Oklahoma City doing it at a place called Rough Tail Brewing. Uh, but other than that, you know, no one else is really doing it. There's a few people that did it in Bartlesville. I won't harp on them too much but i i did it one time for the Bartlesville young professionals these other people kind of swooped in and ran off with it the idea that was back in 2018 but they call there something other than single um but i actually stole that idea three years ago from a bar in michigan that was doing it um and i thought it was a hell of an idea and then so you know i didn't really do it in Bartlesville when i was living there and at another bar that I host karaoke at sometimes, they said, what else you got? Because we did Jeopardy. We've done trivia. And I said, hey, let's try this thing called Singo. I said, I'll give it a run and see. So they advertised it. And the first time we did it, a bunch of people showed up and went crazy over it. And then the next few times we did it, somebody from another brewery that she went to, nothing's left, said, hey, we'd love to have you in the brewery to do it here. And so now I do it there. Um, and another guy that I DJed for, way back in the day uh, at an old Tulsa bar called Stillhouse, um, wanted Singo at the new bar he's at. And so I did that last night, actually. So it's uh, it's fun. It was nice to see you and your mom come out. Um, shout out Nothing's Left if you're in Tulsa listening. And if you haven't been to Nothing's Left, definitely check them out. They've got some crazy beers, like beers that are brewed on Fruity Pebbles. They just came out with a Pina Colada one that is also delicious um they're uh they're like tyler jones at a nascar race when someone tells him no he just hops the gate anyway there's no rules to nothing's left brewing and that's why i love him so much i like that comparison i'll take that no uh complaints for me on uh, no rules jones no rules jones that's how i've always lived my life you know going 200 miles an hour and uh you know all gas no brakes <laughs> exactly um I was thinking about this the other day along those same lines, Tom, um, as far as how I approach life and the summer of Jones, of course, is uh, I put it this way. Here's how I think about this. I have built my entire life on beating the system. And most of the time it works out really well for me. Uh, The victories taste oh so sweet. And most of the days are great. But every once in a while, the system comes back and hands you an L. It's a rare L, but it does come back and hand you an L from time to time. And when it hits, it hits hard. And you know it. So 
I will enjoy being assistant. That's how uh, I've made it in life. But I hope to not take those L's too often from the system because it's quite painful when the system does punch back. If you if you never took an L, then the one the, the dubs wouldn't be as sweet. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, ask the Patriots how that worked out for them when they went 16 and 0. They didn't win the Super Bowl. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they took the they it's all about taking the L's at the right time. Right, exactly. I think it's a, a great way to uh, to put that, Tom. But I'd like to say inter- here's what yeah, I gotta know though. Yeah. And uh, just asking for a friend, not specific to me or anything by any means. Uh, on this single is, you know, if you're bad at like remembering song titles, is using Shazam is that cheating? You know what? In the spirit of the game, you know, if I was playing, I wouldn't use Shazam. Um, but I know enough songs anyway that I might as well be a Shazam. That's my. I think if I was going to go on Miss America, they would say, "What's your hidden talent?" And they would just be knowing songs just as soon as they start. Um, but you know, I know a lot of people don't, or a lot of people know the song but don't know the name. Uh, and you know, I guess growing up with uh, parents who listen to all sorts of different music from country and eighties and seventies rock and the classics all the way up to growing up in the nineties and early two thousands. There's not a whole lot that I don't know. Um, so, and I mean, on top of that, obviously DJing, you know, you kind of have to know, but I guess if I'm playing it, I won't use Shazam. Do I look down upon anybody that uses Shazam while they played? No. Because I don't care who wins. I'm still making money at the end of the day. The same person can win every single game, and I would not care. Okay, fair enough. Um, Because I did something similar to this in Omaha, and uh, they, like, told the song titles as you went along in case you couldn't figure it out. Well, that's that's some consolation prize bullshit. You know, you know, I always think about this, too. Like, if anybody else, you know, in Tulsa, like, figures out how to run Singo and and you know does it themselves or you're not you know everyone has a different way of doing things you know like i run karaoke a lot differently than you know anybody else does karaoke or i run singo maybe than a few other people that i've been to their singos do theirs and i always say you know often imitated never duplicated and you can do the same thing that i'm doing but i guarantee yours is not going to be as fun as mine you're not getting the thomas bridges experience exactly that's you know a lot of it you know a lot of it's the game and showing up for the game but a lot of it's the host and that's 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 one little point that i'll make as far as a humble brag goes i know i'm good at what i do thomas bridges or i wouldn't still be doing it there you go that's 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 how that's how I operate. I don't know if I'm gaming the system just yet, but I'm sure as hell trying to here in Tulsa. So here's what I'm doing next, Tom. Uh, Saturday, I'm going to go see Garth at uh, Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. And then Monday, I head to Nashville and get to spend a couple of days out there. So we won't do a show next week, by the way. We're going to take the week off since I'm going to be out of town uh, on the day that we normally take this show. So we're going to just take our last week off before we gear up for football season next week. But nonetheless, that's uh, what I got on tap the uh, next few days. What are you, uh, what are you doing in Nashville? Just visiting some friends. Uh, you know, I, I believe in Nashville, just like the sign says. So I'm going to go to the Grand and just hit it up, uh, live at large in, uh, in Nashville. 
Are you driving? No, I'm fine. Okay. I was about to say, that's a heck of a drive. Uh, oh, that'll be fun. Uh, I'm, you know, that's one. I've been I've been a lot of places. Uh, I guess when I say places, more like party cities and spots. I've never been to Nashville, so I'm a little jealous. I haven't been be since I was... I haven't been since I was a kid, so this would be a whole new experience, basically. I think it'll be a good time. You get to check out all the classic spots. You said you're going to Grand Ole Opry. Oh, yeah. I'll just take a guitar with you, and maybe you can record a record while you're there. You know, between seeing Garth and then going to Nashville and going to the Opry, I'm, this is about as country as it gets, right? Right. Remember that Tom Fuller we did a couple weeks ago, the Kid Rock? bar and grill and the guy i forget what he did through something or i don't know what he oh maybe through poop at the officer you're yeah. gonna go to the kid rock bar and grill i might have to i'm not gonna be throwing poop around i can tell you that right now and, uh, get the chicken fried steak at the kid rock bar and grill oh you know i see all these people going to garth and i feel like everybody's been to garth tom i feel like almost it's a rite of passage of sorts that you know, if we're going to do the Summer of Jones or if I'm going to get on with my life, I have to get through this Garth concert on Saturday night before I can live the rest of my life. Yeah, I think so. Do you have, uh, you have a pair of boots? I do. There you go. You know, that's, that's the rite of passage, too. If you go to a country concert or if you go to one that's as legendary as Garth, I would say of the singers that are alive now if you're going to get to go to a country concert it's either going to be george Strait or garth brooks so you're not going to lease one of those off the list and if you don't dress the part then you're doing it wrong so you definitely got to rock the boots it would be fun to see you in a cowboy hat too that would be hilarious i think i'm going to wear boots jeans and a flannel boots jeans and a flannel that's there you go you know, I don't know how hot it's going to be outside there. I'm sure it's not as hot as here in Oklahoma. No, it's but... supposed to be like in the 70s. Oh, there you go. So it'll be just fine then. Oh yeah, yeah, it's going to be a good time, and uh, I'm going to have someone special with me. It's all going to be good. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make the most of uh, this experience uh, with it with seeing Garth. Now, have I told you my my connection to Garth, Tom? Uh, I don't think so. So for folks at home that don't know, when Garth was, uh, you know, when his kids were growing up, they decided, he and Tricia, to move the family back to Oklahoma, where Garth is from. And he raised his kids on Owasso, outside of Tulsa there. And uh, they had the, the kids growing up in school and, and uh, you know, going to public school and everything in Owasso and... And uh, Garth, he, he and my grandma went to the same church. And my grandmother was a greeter at this church. She would, you know, greet people as they came through the door every Sunday. And, and uh, Garth uh, and Tricia, the kids, would always say hi to my grandma every single week. They knew who each other was. He was so nice and remembered her and such and, and uh, was so gracious to my grandmother. And my grandmother, she passed uh, last year, and uh, she always spoke so highly of Garth. She loved Garth. And then a year to the day she passed, he actually performed at the inauguration of President Biden. 
And uh, it made me immediately think of my grandma that very day uh, to see, you know, one year since she had passed, seeing him perform was, uh, it was a real treat. So I've always liked Garth. Uh, you know, this is a guy that, uh, you know, his kids would be competing against, uh, you know, people I went to high school with and he'd show up at the local Whataburger in just casual clothes and such, just looking like any other guy there in Broken Arrow of sorts. So uh, I, I love that about Garth. That not only was he good to my grandmother, but he's always stayed grounded, and remembered who he was. He's been a big advocate for Oklahoma State. He's still friends with Bill Self to this day, and Mike Gundy and several others. Uh, always big Garth fan, and I haven't even seen him perform yet. So yes, I'm looking forward to seeing Garth. That should, that, yeah, that, that yeah, I think I, I think you yeah, have told me that story. The uh, that's actually how I got to meet Garth one time. Uh, his daughter was goalie for a Wasso soccer team, and he would go to all the games. Well, he came to Bartlesville, um, and I, in passing by the concession stand or walking around the track, he was there. Just met him for a brief second, just shook his hand. Um, but yeah, his his daughter I think is a year younger than me, so. You know, the soccer games he was always at. Um, that's the only time that I got to meet him, though. But there was another girl that, that was a year younger than me that went to Bartlesville that was actually friends with his daughter. Um, and she told me that they went out to their house one time or they were staying the night out there. Um, just a big girl sleepover. And they had a fire going out in the pasture. And he came out there, I guess, and, like, played a little sing-along by the campfire. And I'm like, that is a, a, a pretty priceless experience uh, to be sitting around the campfire with Garth and listening to him play. And I was like, oh, you're, lucky, you're pretty lucky for that. Man, we could go on with these Garth stories probably all day long uh, here on the uh, Jones Report, but we'll go ahead and uh, move on and get started. I need, real with quick, I need, to, I need to do a Garth Singo. Wouldn't that be incredible? I think so. I wonder, I mean, his collection should be big enough. I could probably pull it off. When you get Baton Rouge going, like let that one go out a bit, though. Like people, everybody gets. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to let that one play. There's, there's a couple of them you just got to let play. Everyone knows it anyway, and so at that point you're just like everyone loves this song, so you just got to let it ride. That's my favorite Garth song. What's yours? That's got to be Friends in Low Places. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty cliche one, but it's still, I I don't dwell that and, you know, just uh, going to OSU games, obviously, too, and they play it and the whole stadium sings along. That's in the fourth quarter. I don't think there's a better moment at OSU games than when everybody sings along to low places. Yeah, probably not. That or I guess the uh, never been to Spain when the band playing plays never been to Spain you know well, I've never been to heaven but I've been to Oklahoma and then after they say Oklahoma we're going to go state with the pistols up that's pretty magical what we're so we're so close to that what's we that bar Tom what's the bar Tom in Stillwater that uh has all that Garth stuff I guess it was like the first place oh, you ever performed yeah that's where we went me you and Billy uh we got I've been with there with you a couple times yeah, we got a little saucy up there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know I did. We got cut um, off by the bartender there. Did we? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, we won't speak on that too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's about that time, though, to go get cut off again for the new football season, so I'm excited about that. But that place is called Willie's, uh, and I believe it's one of the – I believe we're now it's the oldest bar on the Strip. Don't quote me on that. 
but I'm pretty sure it's the oldest bar and it's got the cheapest drinks. I swear to God, it has the cheapest drinks and you can get like a, a Vegas bomb for like $3 and you, I like, I rang it up one time, Jones, and I got like a Jack and Coke, a Vegas bomb and a beer. And they had the bartender was like, okay, that's going to be like eight bucks. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. I was like, you sure? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, all right. I know where I'm huh. cozy up right up here to the bar and get lit before the game for under 20 bucks. Can't beat that. You can't. I'm telling now you. you got me all hyped talking Garth and talking Stillwater bars. I'm, I'm ready to leave the office today and go ahead and drive to Stillwater tonight. I'm ready for the day that you get a drink called the Vegas Tombo. Oh, it's got to be close. There should be one in my honor. Right? I need a beer named after me, and you need the Vegas Tom. That would be – somehow it would be more liquor than what's already in a Vegas bomb. <laughs> At least that would, be the, that would be the goal. Right. You would only need one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We'll uh, we'll get started with the rest of today's show. Uh, NFL preseason. I'm, ex- I'm, ex- I'm excited, Jones, to see how you're going to label this on the on the little infographic. Oh yeah, uh, that's there's a lot, lot of directions we could go. Uh, right. <laughs> NFL preseason underway. We actually had a game occur last week with the Steelers and the Cowboys. We're not going to spend time to break that down, but nonetheless, you got everyone else starting tonight and then rolling through these next few days getting the the preseason going uh tom you have to be a nerd to really enjoy these preseason games because you're seeing the second and the third teamers but if there's one thing that i'm intrigued about is these quarterback competitions you know you hear uh bill belichick say that hey cam newton is our starting quarterback uh urban meyer says he's not committed to uh to trevor lawrence Wink, wink. You know, the Gardner Minshew's got a shot to be the starter there. Uh, Then you got other situations where Zach Wilson is the guy for the New York Jets. Um, You have, you know, a situation in Chicago where they say Andy Dalton is our starter. But then you look at, okay, really, are you going to start him on Sunday night football week one against the Rams and not give uh, Justin Fields that stage on Sunday night football? Some of these things you worry about. The quarterback competitions intrigue me. Seeing some of these guys that we enjoyed in college get the opportunity, that intrigues me. But that's because we're nerds. Uh, the, the casual fan, I understand if you're not going to pay attention until we actually get started for the big show here in a few weeks. Right. Yeah, I don't blame you either. Now, one thing, Jones, you tell me how you feel about this. Um this is regarding Zach Wilson. I had, I had made a bet on Friday. I was playing some yard games, drinking some beers, talking requests this year to people's fantasy leagues than any other any other year. I feel you got a fantasy league. You want to play in mine? I'm like, no. I ended up taking somebody's offer on one of them, and that's because his close friend. And I said, okay, whatever. I'll do this for you, but. Um, one of the guys that wanted me to play in his and I turned it down because they had like our, it was going to be like a 15 or like a 14 team league. And I said, no, that's too many for me. Um, but we made a bet. He was, he's a, he's a big Chargers fan. And 
he had the Justin Herbert jersey on. We started talking about the Chargers, and you know, we started talking about fantasy and uh, who he's going to draft. And he was talking about getting Zach Wilson, and I said no. I said, you actually think he's going to be anything decent, at least in his first year? And he was real high on him. And this guy's not even Mormon, mind you. Uh, right? And so I'm like, there's no way. And he was like, let's make a bet. Then. And I was like, all right, let's make a Zach Wilson bet. So we bet. $100, Jets, over, under, four and a half. I took the under four and a half. He took the over four and a half. I don't think the Jets are winning more than four games this year. What say you, Jones? Oh, there's no way. I mean, the Jets, did they get any better than they were a year ago? No. Um, and their defense got worse. And is Zach Wilson any better than Sam Darnold? Probably not. Um, I didn't think Sam Darnold was the issue there with the New York Jets. Now, you hear Denzel Mims say that he lost 20 pounds from food poisoning he was supposed to be all that in a bag of chips. Uh, that might actually help. The, the, the food poisoning might actually be the best thing that happened to him. Yeah, maybe so. We're, we're going to see. But I, I think – I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, but I, I thought I had a favorable bet there saying that the Jets were not going to win more than four games. No. Uh, I, I might I mean, eat my words. I, I lost 100 last year, but that was to Tom Brady. That was not to the Jets. I can't believe – let's get this on the record. Tom gave me so much crap about picking the Bears to go to the Super Bowl a few years ago. His was even worse when he said Tom Brady and the Bucks were going to miss the playoffs and go 9-7 and seven last year, and they ultimately won the whole thing. So um, – No, I said I, – what was it? I think I said – You said 9-7. and 9-7. and seven, If they won 10 games, it was a tie. If they won more than 10, I paid you, and they ended up doing it. And they end up going to the Super Bowl, and now it's the screw Tom Brady train on the show for me. So, you know, he's we, not we only cost to... me a hundred dollars; he's also cost me emotional pain <laughs> in beating my team twice in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, so, with that being said, we look at things that are most recent, and that's your most recent prediction. So. We'll hold your feet to the fire on that. We'll care less about what I said about the Bears a couple of years ago. That's so long ago now. What's what's in the present is what you have said about Tom Brady, and we'll we'll remind the folks of that also. You know, if we're if we're talking about we're on the cusp of NFL, we we can just go on record right now. Who do you got in the Super Bowl this year? We'll just do it right now. Uh, we'll do I it have in the Super Bowl this year. I have the Chiefs and the Rams, and I have the Chiefs winning it all. The Chiefs and the Rams. I do have the Chiefs for sake of difference here um, and not taking my team. You know, I was going to say Chiefs and Rams. Um, that was my pick a couple years ago. I think that's the Super Bowl that we've all been waiting for. Should have been the Super Bowl a couple years ago. And then then stay with that pick. If that's what you believe, stay with that pick. Okay, okay. I'll say Chiefs and Rams as well. I like that. Okay. Um, who's and who's your who dark wins? horse? If it's not the Rams, I'll take the I'll take I think the Chiefs. Okay. I don't think anybody stop them. I think the the team to watch for a dark horse is going to be Tennessee. I like that. I can see that. You know, they seem like they you know are a piece shy, and now you add Julio Jones. Um, well, 
And how are you going to stop Tennessee? They can get you with that downhill running attack with Derrick Henry. And now they can throw the football across the yard as well. And Tannehill is just now getting into his prime. That defense is pretty physical. I like Mike Vrabel. I think he's one of the top four coaches in this league. Tennessee is going to be lethal. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to stop. It's They're going to just – you know, what's it about these Tennessee teams that are just grit and grind? You got the grit and grind Grizzlies. Now you got Tennessee who just will just run you in the ground, old school, old school style of football. You know who they need? They need, like, Mike Allstott's son on that team. I don't know who even has a son. But if he did, he needs to play for Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, somebody called Josh Heupel there at the University of Tennessee now and say, here's what you need to do. This is, what, this is the only thing that works for your state. Right, go get, <laughs> go get Mike Allstott's son, and uh, then you'll then you'll have a complete team. Um, anybody else from the NFC that you could see? I mean, I like the Rams pick, but I think you know, Tom, obviously the Bucks. The there Bucks is a significant back. gap right now. You look at the AFC. You have the Chiefs. The Titans, Browns, Ravens, and Bills, those five, okay? And then the, a the NFC, you have the Bucks, the Rams, the Packers, and there's a huge drop-off from that point. I would almost take uh, the Chiefs, Titans, and uh, Browns uh, and the Bills – before I would take the, you know, the, the NFC teams past the uh, Rams. In fact, I think the Packers are a step behind the Rams and Bucks. I think you're talking about eight really good teams, and then everyone else is kind of meh at that point. Yeah, I, you know, I see that. You know, I think the Ravens could be in the mix. We'll have to see how, you know. They're loaded on offense. You know, I'm looking at the odds, too. The Rams and 49ers, this is CBS, uh, same odds at 1,400 right now to win the Super Bowl. And then I'm selling you know, the 49ers. They, yeah, I'm not – you know, I can eat my words. They've beat us like four times in a row. I say us, the Rams, um, four times in a row, I'm pretty sure. And I'm just like, what's going on? We can't seem to beat them. Um, but I, I don't I, – I just – I don't think it's there. I might, I could be wrong, um, you know. And then Packers, did you see they were roasting Jordan Love the other night? Well, he's about to get his first start this week too. Yeah. I'm intrigued yeah, they were, to see I mean, what he actually is, brings to the table. Here's my thoughts on Jordan Love. Now, granted, we haven't seen him play yet, um, and there was no preseason last year. But if the Packers were so confident in Jordan Love – one of they moved on from Aaron Rodgers and got what they could out of him and, you know, got ready for Jordan Love. I understand Aaron Rodgers was coming off an MVP season, but if Jordan Love is the guy that you think, if he is that dude, this would have been an easy call to go ahead and move on from Aaron. I don't think he, he is that dude, and I think that we're going to see it this week. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to be – what is that? Is that game tonight? So that game, the uh, Packers' first preseason game uh, that uh, they'll play is uh, going to be on Saturday against Houston. 
Okay, so not a terrible, not a terrible first opponent. Granted, it's preseason, but you know we talked all season. I felt like last year about how Jordan Love just got a bad rap. Uh, you know, he's I think he's got the second bad, second worst bad rap uh, next to Josh Rosen. You know, um, we're gonna see. I, you know, I gave him a lot of credit. I said, listen, it's gonna be hard for this kid. Aaron Rodgers, you know, controversy in Green Bay, and now you're in the limelight, and Packers have been good with Aaron Rodgers for so long, and now you're going to try to step in. And I know Aaron Rodgers is coming back, obviously, this year, but this is do or die for him, and I, I, I'm I, not putting money that he shines. I would be – I would – I'm leaning more towards that he shits the bed. I'm tired. I hate to say that. But that's how I feel. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, and I have nothing against Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers says he has nothing against Jordan Love, but all signs point to that this is going to go bad. I think so. <laughs> that's why I'm going to watch the game. I got to see the chaos. Now, you know, for for the chaos, Texans purpose- aren't very good. If he's going to look good against anybody, it's going to be Houston. If he has a bad performance, granted, yes, it is preseason. I get all that. But, I mean, this is – he's being served cake on a platter right here, getting his uh, debut against Houston. You know, for what the case is worth, and like I said, I don't have anything against Jordan Love. I spoke well of him last season when we talked about him multiple times on the show on how it wasn't fair to him to get all the shit talked about him. For the chaos portion – you know, and I love to see the good chaos when it's not my team for what it's worth. And maybe, maybe I'm going to hell for this. Probably, I'm probably already going to hell, but uh, for what it's worth, I hope he goes out there and I hope his first pass is picked for a pick six just so I can watch Green Bay Twitter burn. Right. Right. Cause you know it will. You know it will. And I will definitely hop on Green Bay subreddit um, to see that chaos ensue because you know if you're a green bay if you're a green bay fan you gotta be holding your breath right i would be i think you gotta be holding your breath you green bay's been holding their breath for a long time if over the past couple of months (laughs) and then Devontae adams you know if if jordan love sucks and aaron Rodgers goes away you know and you know what if jordan love can't get the ball to Devontae adams and you're paying adams all this money and you got a quarterback that can't get it to him. I mean, I don't know. So Maybe, that's you know what, that's going to be the most intriguing thing about this preseason, right? Is is actually seeing Jordan Love. That's why we watch. That's why I watch. There's got to be another storyline somewhere. I'm trying to think of I mean, another one. That's got to be. I'm the looking at these quarterback battles. You know, Denver. You got Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater in that situation, but. Even then, Tom, that feels like, okay, Denver is a borderline playoff team at best. They're right in the thick of the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. They're going to be his number one destination. Um, This, to me, is not that intriguing there in Denver because they're they're not going to do much no matter who's going to be the guy anyway. I like Teddy. I'm not a fan of Drew. But to me, this just doesn't have the pizzazz because they're not going to be great either way. It's not moving the needle. I think they're going to be better than last year. I think they've they've got some playmakers, but it's not moving the needle enough. And then you're in, you know, arguably 
I would say, I don't know. Are you are you taking? I'm 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 gonna say Teddy Bridgewater ends up starting most of the games. But if you look at that division, it's obviously Patrick Mahomes, and then I would say Justin Herbert, then Derek Carr, then Teddy Bridgewater. I don't. I mean, you can interchangeably swap Carr and Teddy Bridgewater, in my opinion. How about the Saints with uh, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston? I look at that, Tom, and I know Jameis struggled in Tampa Bay, that he threw a lot of interceptions, although he threw for a lot of passing yards and a lot of touchdowns. But I don't think that he fit necessarily what Bruce Arians was doing. Bruce Arians didn't start out great with Tom Brady either. Brady had to adjust, and they had to change the offense to suit Brady towards the second half of last year. Get Jameis in New Orleans, a year working with Drew Brees in that Sean Payton system. I wasn't impressed with Taysom Hill last year when he came into the quarterback role when uh, Drew Brees was hurt. You already lost your starting tight end. I think the best situation for the Saints is to go ahead and play Jameis at quarterback and play Taysom as your starting tight end. And that's your best chance to maximize on talents to do things that way. And if Jameis isn't working out, then go ahead and try Tamis, try uh, Taysom at quarterback later on in the year. But I think Jameis gives you the best chance to win if you're the Saints. I mean, yeah, and you got um, – did I see – did Michael Thomas get hurt? Did I see that? Uh, I don't know if I missed that or not. I got to look that up because that's going to be a biggie because there goes your security blanket if he is. I thought I saw that he got hurt. Uh, yes, Michael Thomas uh, – he, uh, he could be out for a bit. All right. So that may change things, but you still have Alvin Kamara. Um, but, you know, I think, I think it's Jameis's to lose. Really, they should have never let Bridgewater go. That should have been his home. Um, but, you know, that being said, I think the Saints will be all right. You got the Falcons no longer with Julio Jones. And Matt Ryan does Matt Ryan things. And uh, then you got the Panthers, who I think Matt Rule is a great coach, but I still think they're going to have to have this year to kind of figure things, figure some things out before they get the ball rolling. I think this is the year for Carolina to get that ball rolling before they show up and show out next year. Um, but then you got Tampa Bay, obviously. So for the Saints, is it doable to get second in the division and maybe fight for a wild card spot? You know, we're going to see what Jameis can pull out. I don't. I, I think I agree with you there that there's no way. You, you, you start Taysom Hill at quarterback. Then you're wasting a position. He's he's a fine tight end. And, you know, why would you have him start and then not utilize Jameis? So I, I think that's got to be the strategy. Did you see the video of Jameis running through the uh, running back drill the other day? I did not. Okay. I'm going to send this to you, and you're going to see this in, uh, in real time as we're talking right now. But uh, – to, to describe this for folks at home, for whatever reason, the Saints had Jameis Winston go through a running back drill. And if you haven't seen this for yourselves, I highly recommend folks to uh, go check this out and see for themselves. But let's just put it this way. His break tackle rating on Madden should be about a zero. This was so funny to see. Like, I don't know why they have him doing running back drills, but – uh, nonetheless, he did. And uh, I just sent it to Tom. Are, are you watching this now? I'm pulling it up right now. I'm just displaying. Okay. Um, Jameis is not going to be switching positions. That'll be up to Taysom to uh, go back to tight end. <laughs> oh, 
Oh my gosh. So you guys are still have him in the red jersey and everything. Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> I don't know. That's golly. Is that a He's sign of things around. to come for the Saints? Yeah, maybe. I, I wouldn't have him running anytime soon. You get all these guys barreling through. And you get Jameis that looks like he's been drugged and I don't know. Like <laughs> I got to read the comments on this. I know they got to be good. Oh, they are. Uh, this this guy, me back in the day, trying to get through a, a Sizzler USA buffet. Golly. I don't think I've ever eaten in Sizzler. No, I don't think so either. I don't think I've even heard of it. I've, I've heard of West... Western sizzling. Have you ever been to that? I've not. No, that that used to be the joint back in the day. Um, it was like a better Golden Corral. Let's see what the quote. That's bad. Um, Kelly, I bet there's that's got to be on Reddit somewhere. That's got to be hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, ho- yeah. Hopefully they line him up at quarterback and not running back because that's not going to go over too well. It doesn't look like. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. It's got to be on the Saints subreddit. Um, But you look at the rest of them, you know, Houston, Deshaun Watson is their guy until he's suspended. And then if it's not, it's Tyrod Taylor. That's not a quarterback competition. That's just a a situation that has to play itself out. Um, You go through the rest of these. We mentioned like Jacksonville – you know, Trevor Lawrence, we believe, is their guy. Uh, you know, you, you hear Gardner Minshew's name, you know, mentioned, you know, as a quarterback competition of sorts. That's the way Urban Myers described it. I'm looking at Gardner Minshew, Tom, and I think that's a guy that can have a 10-plus year career in this league as a solid backup, you know, that, that Chase Daniel type role of sorts. He's, he's done well in spot duty. He was, what, a seventh-round pick? Um, You know, if if a team has an injury, if somebody goes down or something like that, um, we we know that Gardner Minshew is eventually going to have to leave Jacksonville at some point. If I'm a team that – if you're a borderline playoff team and you lose your quarterback or something, Gardner Minshew wouldn't be a bad option to trade for. I don't think you'd have to give up very much. I'm intrigued to see if Gardner Minshew – stays in Jacksonville for all of this year or not. Yeah, I think I think for what it's worth, if Trevor Lawrence comes out and starts having a heyday, I think Gardner Minshew is going to be, you know, a, a quarterback for a team that, you know, he could Nick Foles his way through the league or a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of player. I don't think he's a bad quarterback at all. Um, you know, I, I think on any team, uh, I think he would be the best second-string quarterback in the league. I don't know if that's a backhand compliment or not. Uh, I don't think it – I didn't intend it to be. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, having him on my team if, if I had a, a quarterback that went down. There are some quarterbacks, you know, I think the Jets might win five games if they had Gardner Minshew and not Zach Wilson. You take uh, – I'll, probably, you I'll take, probably eat my words. You take Minshew over Zach Wilson right now. I, I don't know. I haven't even seen Zach Wilson play – other than for BYU, and they didn't play anybody. I said I roasted BYU so many times there. You know, you know, I always 
I, I take every chance I can get. Um, but you know, they didn't play anybody last year, and Zach Gardner Minshew like to go sign his two-year Mormon mission. Gardner Minshew looks like he could be Zach Wilson's dad. That, or I was thinking Zach Wilson is the angel on my right, and Gardner Minshew's the devil on my left. Clean shaven Zach Wilson looks like he's about to go on his two-year Mormon mission, and then you got Gardner Minshew with the kind of the shaggier hair and the and the handlebar mustache, looking like he crushed crush a case of natty lights with you on the right. weekend and Gardner you know, looks like he's mid-shirt. he looks like he's 40 years old and Zach Wilson looks like he's 15. He does. That is very true. They are I wouldn't say polar opposites. I'm sure they're both nice, really nice people. Um I would like to party with both of them, uh, both of them. Um, I would rather one partner could, one party could, with Gardner Minshew 100%. Well yeah yeah for sure but you gotta have a you gotta have somebody sober driving you. That's Zach Wilson. You got you know, you always got to have one person on the squad that's the driver. So that's what Zach Wilson is bringing to the New York Jets. He's going to be the DD of the Jets. I think so. Uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, you got to have that person on your team. And so, you know, it's, it's easy for him. You know, he didn't, I, well, I don't know if he, you know, not every, not every person who's a Mormon doesn't drink and, you know, vice versa. So, Maybe, maybe he goes to New York and gets corrupted. Um, that or he's he's the guy, he's the he looks like a youth pastor that buys pizza every Wednesday to, to keep keep every come keep everybody coming to youth group. <laughs> New York slice coming up for the uh New York Jets, courtesy of Zach what, Wilson. What, yeah. And you got a free ride home, you're gonna be okay. Zach Wilson, Pastor Zach's got you covered. We will right. move on. <laughs> Before we say something we regret and uh, bring in John Kurtz. If we haven't already. Right. John Kurtz, K-Man, going to join us next. Plus, we'll have uh, our O'Connor Advisory Group football fix with uh, Coach Bo. He's going to join us. And then we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up towards the end of today's show as well. Stay with us as we're all along here on the Children's Report. Joining us now from K-Man in Manhattan, it is John Kurtz. Also check out his YouTube channel where he's covering the Big 12 Conference as a whole as well. Doing a great job with that. And John joins us right now. John, appreciate the time, man. It's been a, a crazy couple of weeks, uh, wouldn't you say? Just, just a little bit of news going on. Man, I tell you what. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been wild. I can still remember driving to work. So that was a Wednesday. And I think the news came out at maybe like 2.30 about Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. And I had a whole show prepared. I go on at four, ready to roll. And I literally pulled in the parking lot at about three. I hadn't seen anything yet. I looked at my phone and I just had a text from someone who doesn't even typically text me about sports, just in a group text. And I saw this thing about Texas, and Oklahoma going to the SEC. And I was like, man, that has to be fake. And then, uh, you know, long story short, here we are three and a half weeks, whatever it is later and still dealing with all the fallout of that. So it's it's been wild, fascinating, but uh, wild and also pretty stressful. Yeah, I would think so. And uh, for K-State folks right now, what's the uh, feeling there towards all that's happened uh, with Oklahoma and Texas and in their own future going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think just a lot of angst and, and unease, unrest, you know? I mean, and the, the problem is I think that's going to be the, the tenor of this for a while for all eight schools that are left, not just K-State, but – there's certainly a lot of anger to go around, right? I mean, because this came so completely out of nowhere that you're dealing with the shock, and then it turns to like, all right, Texas, who the hell do you think you are? I mean, 
there's a lot of talk right now about from Texas and Oklahoma fans about how they've subsidized the big 12 for a long time. And well, that may be true financially uh, for the Texas half of it. They are the most valuable program uh, in college athletics, according to the wall street journal, they certainly have not done it on the field. I mean, Oklahoma, I guess you could give credit for competitively subsidizing the big 12 for a while now, but not Texas. And I think that's where you start to, you know, everybody is just furious with Texas, the unearned arrogance that's been there for, for Texas from the word go since they joined the conference. The fact that they really bullied around everybody in the beginning, got Nebraska upset, and that eventually led to the four teams that left 10 years ago. And now Texas is looking around like, well, hey, this conference isn't doing it for us anymore. Um, we're going to go hop to the SEC. And I think everybody else looks around and says, you guys did this. You created this. You, you created this mess and now are wanting to leave the mess that you're complaining about what you created in the first place. So there's been a lot of that beyond that. I think as far as K-State's future is concerned, there is a very reasonable amount of just fear and what it means for not just K-State football, but the university as a whole in a very challenging time to be recruiting students to an actual on-campus university right now coming out of COVID where so many people were doing online is already moving toward more people going the junior college route because of the expense. I mean, the mounting expense and debt that kids are leaving college with these days. Enrollment has been down at, at K-State since 2014. So they were already facing a lot of challenges. Now you wonder about, hey, if you lose some of the edge to that front door to the university, which is football and athletics and that to sell the kids, like what happens and what happens to an entire Manhattan economy that relies on K-State football so, so very much and already lost basically an entire season of it last year, because while there was football, it was not, you know, it was a shell of its typical self. So there are just so many tentacles to it. And, you know, K-State's position in the world right now, unfortunately in college athletics, much like all eight of these schools, frankly, just you find out how important you are pretty quick. And uh, to the rest of the world, unfortunately, it is it is not seeming very important right now, at, at least from a monetary standpoint, which is ultimately what matters. And that's the unfortunate part. Well, John, I look at K-State, for example, and, you know, for, from my picture of this, and, and granted, I'm not there like you are, but to see a university that it feels like has taken so many steps forward that seemed like things are much better off than they were, you know, uh, 10, 20 years ago. And now this comes up. Um, it's like, you know, just a big halt to all that progress that was being made. It seems like this university has come such a long way quickly that now, now you say, well, now what, I mean, what, what happened? What, what, what went wrong here? Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it's a tough blow, especially because, I mean, I think to your point, so John Curry, who's a guy who was very polarizing when he was here as the athletic director, um, pretty infamous for running off Frank Martin, um, did not, did not do any favors to ingratiate himself with K-State fans for that. And I certainly spent a long time hating John Curry for that, but now, I mean, his legacy has aged pretty well because what he really set out to do he watched conference realignment happen and he said, well, uh, we have to be better positioned the next time this comes around. And so K-State's invested $200 million in football facilities over the last decade. And that was all that was started by him. It's been continued since he left and, and Gene Taylor took over. They just unveiled, for instance, uh, the Shamrock Zone in the, the South End Zone. I just got a tour of it last weekend. In fact, when they had an open practice, it looks beautiful. Um, the stadium is gorgeous. I mean, it's so much different than what it was when I, I grew up coming to watch the best K-State teams that have ever played in the late 90s and early 2000s. And this stadium, the words of Bill Snyder, is just a Taj Mahal compared to what it was 
back then. So there has been an incredible investment there. The facilities are, are very competitive. The football team has won a big 12 championship in the last 10 years. Um, COVID year, notwithstanding last year, I think Chris Kleiman showed some very encouraging things in his first year that he can be the guy to really lead this thing on into the future. But it becomes very difficult when you think about trying to recruit with all the uncertainty that may be surrounding what the future of the school and the league is going to be over the next few years. So how much does that halt the progress there on the football front? And then the dominoes just start to fall and trickle from there. So yeah, to your point, it, it is incredibly frustrating and disheartening. I think whatever adjective you want to throw in there for uh, a place that has done a lot of winning. I mean, they're the third winningest program in the big 12 over the last 10 years. And that unfortunately just doesn't buy you squat right now in the world of, uh, of conference realignment, you combine that with $200 million in facilities. I mean, K-State has done what, what theoretically you should do, right? I mean, they've won at a pretty high level and they've pumped a lot of money into facilities and it, it just feels like right now it doesn't matter too much. So I know that we're all still figuring this out. No one really knows what's going to happen, but what is the next step for Kansas State? What is this program, you think, going to do going forward? What's their options ahead of them from, from uh, your vantage point? Yeah, I still view the best case scenario for K-State to be the Big 12 works something out with the Pac-12. And that, that can come in a number of different forms or fashions. I think we may even be looking at it from a from too simplistic of a, of a point of view right now in terms of what this may look like in two, three, or four years, which they do have that time for the Big 12 grant of rights. The Pac-12s is up a year earlier in 2024. But, you know, Bob Bowlesby had a six-hour meeting with the commissioner of the Pac-12 last week, which served basically, I think, as the first date, kind of a getting-to-know-you thing. But that certainly is encouraging. So whether it's going to be a, a full-on merger of the two leagues, I think that would be great for K-State. I don't know how great it is for the Pac-12, but that would work out best for K-State from a financial standpoint because I would imagine then at least the money stays close to what it is right now in the Big 12, which is $37 million per year in the payout. You know, the Pac-12 has been 32, so it's been close to that. And at least then, like, you're staying in the ballpark. The problem is you talk about the Big 12 just trying to expand. If they stay together and expand, you lost 50%, according to Bob Bowlesby, of the TV value there. So you're losing 15 to $20 million right off the bat from Oklahoma and Texas leaving. There's no way that you're adding UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, whoever, that's going to add too much more juice to that pot. So you're taking a massive haircut financially as the SEC, by the way, starts to balloon to 60 plus million dollars when Oklahoma and Texas get there. So that's it just accentuates the financial gap if it's going to be Big 12 expansion as opposed to linking up with the Pac-12 somehow. You know, the other thing that could happen, they could try a scheduling alliance and maybe in a couple of years, Amazon or one of Netflix, a streaming service tries to get into the game and maybe that will up what the value actually could be if they're going to overpay just to get into the game and try to compete with ESPN and those are the kinds of things I think Gene Taylor, K-State's athletic director, is really stressed and that could be on the table in the future that we just don't know about right now. And and the other thing, of course, could be you talk about maybe it turns into the Pac-16. They want to siphon off four teams from the Big 12. Now, there has been some talk, at least some talk, about if that can be Oklahoma State, K-State, Texas Tech, and then maybe a Houston if the Pac-12 is not going to be interested in TCU and Baylor because they're small private religious institutions, which doesn't really drive uh, culturally with the Pac-12. So, like, there are some options there. Right now, K-State's really just projecting Big 12 unity as much as they can, like everybody has to. But I think behind closed doors, you've got to be thinking, like, from a ceiling in terms of the money, which is what ultimately matters here and being able to stay competitive with facilities and coaching salaries and all of that, the the, the best-case scenario would be somehow winding up playing games on a regular basis in, in Palo Alto and Berkeley, I suppose, in the, in the Pac-12. 
So we've seen, John, that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are breaking up in this process, going their separate directions. What about Kansas State and KU? What's their relationship like throughout all this? And do they ultimately need to stay together or not when it's all said and done? Yeah, I mean, I don't really think so. And I, I, the Board of Regents, I don't know what they would say publicly about this. And I know last time around, you know, tried to fight for them to stay together. I just, I can't see the Board of Regents, if, for instance, it is going to be Kansas has an option to go somewhere and K-State does not. If you're the Board of Regents, why why would you stop one school from leaving and then say, all right, so for the good of the state, we're going to have zero Power 5 programs as opposed to one? I mean, one is better than zero, right? So I, I don't think there will be any real impetus when the rubber meets the road to keep them together necessarily or have to have if one gets left behind and, and that would likely be K-State in that scenario, I think it would just be, that would that'd be a reality, unfortunately for K-State to have to deal with. Now I do ultimately, and this is where, you know, some people may disagree with me. I, I don't think the positions of the two schools are as uh, different as, as some may view it. And a lot of that is because look, I mean, 10 years ago, this would be a totally different conversation because 10 years ago, Kansas, I did the math earlier. They were coming off of a, it was a four or a five year stretch in football where they had averaged eight wins a year. Um, the Mark Pangino era did a lot to add some juice to just not only not have that football program dragging things down, but it was actually, I mean, that was productive. Like you could still see the orange bowl in the rearview mirror at that point, 10 years ago in conference realignment. Now that's long gone. They've had one of the worst decades that an FBS football program has ever had. And we've seen that that is, that is what matters. I talked to Stuart Mandel from the athletic and he said the rule of thumb in the industry has always been, these things are 80% football, 20% basketball. And then he did the math on the big 12 basketball contract using that logic and said, Hey, the max value here for Kansas basketball and big 12 basketball in general, if you're giving all of that money to Kansas is $25 million, which is about half the payout to a big 10 team individually. So if you add Kansas, then you do the math, big 10 teams are all of a sudden making less money because you have to divide the pot another way. So because of that, even with KU's AAU status and the basketball brand, I, I have my doubts that they'll get to the Big Ten at least in anywhere near term. Like If some dominoes start to fall, if, if the Big Ten goes after USC and eventually they wind up needing another team on down the line somewhere, I, I could see that happening still and maybe, maybe Iowa State as well. But I, I don't think it's any kind of slam dunk. And I think the Big Ten, you know, you talk about shoot your shot. I, they need to counter the SEC with something, no offense to Kansas fans, but much, much steeper than what Kansas is. They're, they're going to be looking at USC, even heard the talk of the ACC. Can you get Clemson, Florida State, something like that? I mean, those are the only moves. Notre Dame, you know, would be another one to throw in there. That's the only thing that can really legitimately counter what the SEC is doing. And, and the Big Ten's already on track to be behind the SEC by 5 to $10 million per school per year by the time Texas and Oklahoma get there. You're just not going to add that value by adding Kansas. So, I think both schools are in a precarious position, but if it comes down to it at the end of the day, I do think Kansas has more options, and I don't think that they would have to stick together. So of the remaining eight, who do you think is in the best position right now moving forward? Yeah, you know, actually, I did a video on the, the YouTube channel, shameless plug, kind of outlining that, but I, I, I put Kansas number one with the caveat that, again, I think all eight are pretty much stuck in the same boat because they're not, there's not a compelling case that any one of them adds significant if any at all, monetary value to anybody. So, but the reason I put Kansas at number one is simply because I think they would have 
there are multiple suitors that at least would be an outside shot, right? I mean, we've gone over the Big Ten and why that makes sense. Basketball and the AU status, which the Big Ten really cares about. Uh, the, the ACC, you know, I mean, I think they obviously care very much about basketball brands. Um, and, and that is something that I think there was some flirtation there perhaps 10 years ago, the first time around in conference realignment. And, and even the Pac-12, you know, I mean, AAU again helps you out with the Pac-12, though they are not in as much a position to be choosy about AAU schools as the Big Ten is. They certainly value that as well. So you're talking about three conferences that could be outside shots for Kansas there. And just simply because of that, I think you have to list them number one um, because nobody else really has that. I mean, West Virginia, you start going down the list, like West Virginia and the ACC makes some logical sense because of the geography there. But again, does the ACC want to do that? Does West Virginia actually add it up monetary value? I'm not sure that they do unless some other dominoes start to fall and, and things click in place. And that makes sense then to go add West Virginia. Texas Tech seems to be, if the Pac-12 is going to be interested in adding anybody, I think Tech is the linchpin there and top of the list there just because it gets you into the state of Texas. It is the biggest school left in the state of Texas. And Tech does have a pretty large alumni base in Dallas-Fort Worth, which helps you out in, in that market. And like, frankly, it's a huge school. Um, it was just behind Texas in enrollment in the Big 12 as of right now. So Tech's pretty big. Lubbock is big compared to the rest of the college towns. I think that makes it more attractive to the Pac-12. Those are the only schools really that seem to be, you know, at least mentioned and linked with other conferences. Everybody else, it's like, hey, can you, can you try and strap yourself to somebody in a package deal? And I do feel like Baylor and TCU just slightly would be at the bottom of that list because, again, with the Pac-12, I think the fact that they are small, private, religious institutions does hurt them. So that's kind of how I view the hierarchy right now of the Big 12. Yeah, and when you talk about history and tradition going forward, um, you know, let's take K-State as an example. Um, do you think it matters much to K-State to continue to play the the teams they have history with right there in their league? I guess you have, besides Kansas, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, go back to their big eight days. Do you think that's going to be uh, anything of, of meaning going forward to try to keep some of those connections going of what's left? I think the unfortunate reality is everybody would like to continue to do that. And I think the traditions do, if you're talking about what matters personally to people, I mean, I talk to people and hear from so many people that just, it's hard for them to stomach the idea of like, hey, we're going to do what we're going to be in the pack 12. Like we're, we're not going to play Kansas, Oklahoma state. Like, You've already dealt with losing Nebraska and Missouri and Colorado and some of the traditions with that. I don't think anybody would really like it, but I think, again, at the end of the day, it's like, and this is what college athletics has turned into, dollars and cents, like money talks. And mm -hmm. if it's going to be the difference between 15 to $20 million per year and being able to actually pay your coach a competitive salary, which in K-State stepped up and they gave Chris Kleiman an extension last year where they, they are now paying him a really competitive salary and numbers – that I, I didn't know that we'd ever see K-State pay uh, a coach. That type of thing will be hard to continue if it is going to be 15 to $20 million less. But that may be a, a touch of an exaggeration for whatever it could be in the Pac-12. But if it's going to be that kind of a difference, I think you do have to throw tradition out of the window just in the name of survival here. So if it were an idealistic world, yeah, you would, you would definitely value that over everything. And I think most, if not all, of the remaining eight would say the same thing, but – we all know the unfortunate reality is college athletics. It's just all about grabbing whatever money you can right now and trying to keep up in the arms race that's being led by, by Greg Sankey and the SEC. Right. And we're here in the college football playoff is, uh, you know, their expansions on pause. It seems at the moment uh, with this move that was made with Oklahoma and Texas 
going to the SEC and a lot of talk about what this means for the future of the sport. Is all of this, what we're seeing right now, is this bad for college football, John? What say you as far as the state of the sport going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, there's no doubt that it is. And, like, I think especially for, for real college football fans, I think what it can be good for, at least in the near term, is the casual college football fan, the – People on the, I hate to be this guy from Midwest, the people on the coast, but you know, people on the coast who the ESPNs of the world, right? Well, obviously all of this is very good for ESPN, but if you're, if you're Skip Bayless, right? If you are somebody, a sports center anchor, like, yeah, this is going to generate more interest for you. If, if college football is not really your sport, but it's a sport that you follow, you're going to be more interested in watching Texas and Alabama. You're going to be more interested in watching Oklahoma and Georgia more frequently games like that. But for the rest of the college football world, it's just you're you're going to wind up alienating such a large swath of fan bases and places that have been steeped in tradition where this is what you grew up with and what you love. You know, I mean, I can. Right. You're being told you don't matter anymore, essentially. Exactly. And it's just you're going to lose interest in the sport, uh, which is it's so sad, you know, and I mean, so many people because your identity is just so tied up in this and not that that doesn't happen with fans at the professional level, but it's different at the college level. You know, I mean, I can speak for myself and sometimes personalizing these things is the best way to drive the point home, you know, but I, I grew up going to K-State football games every single weekend, at least the home games and usually a road game or two every single year from the time that I was a baby. I mean, my dad literally took me in, was born in 1989, the year that Bill Snyder got to K-State. He would take me into games when I was one to two years old. And I just grew up with it. And that was my life. I measure my life and my childhood by, you know, you tell me like, oh, this happened like in 1997. You remember that when you were eight? And I'll be like, oh yeah, 97. That was the Fiesta Bowl, Michael Bishop. Like I measure the time by what was happening in K-State football those years. And it's just so ingrained in what my life is. It's, it's obviously why I'm doing what I do right now for a living here at the age of 31. Like so much is tied up in that. And it's all based around this love of college football. I mean, I love sports, but like, I guess I could say that I like sports. I love college football. And right. so it, it is It is going to be devastating to me if, if I start to lose some of that over time because of what's going on right now. And I think you're going to see more and more of that. And by the way, it's not like it's not like the, the big eights, quote unquote, if we want to call it right now, are the first to be hit by this. You know, I mean, I was just you think about like UConn, Cincinnati, some places like that that have kind of been screwed in, in conference realignment before. And I'm sure the same thing has happened over there and and the big eight frankly won't be the last i think the way this continues to move i don't think it'll be the last group of fans that'll be left behind it maybe it is the pac-12 maybe it's usc linking up with the big 10 and then the rest of the pac-12 is kind of left in the dust too it's just sad it's sad because what makes college football great is the tie everybody has to the school the the intricacies the idiosyncrasies of the different locales where the games are being played the fact that you do feel like you have a shot you know that you still have a even if it can be tough a viable enough path to a conference championship that matters to a college football playoff to have some legitimate shot at a national championship. And if, if that feeling goes away for a lot of people, it's just, it makes me sick to think about and, and so I think to me, there's no doubt, there's no doubt this is a bad thing ultimately for the game. And by the way, I think buyer beware, people will get tired of seeing LSU and Oklahoma play every single year or Georgia and Texas play every single year. That will be great at first, but eventually if you get it all the time, that starts to lose some of its edge, right? Like if you've been wandering through the desert for a long time, somebody hands you a Gatorade, it's great. If you get Gatorade three times a day, every day, after a week or two, that's going to get old, right? So I think that same principle will apply. And eventually 
the money train will run out. There won't be as much interest. And then you'll look around and be like, well, what do we do now? Because we just ruined the interest in the sport for so many people. So I, I think down the road, there can be some big, big picture problems here. Well, I, I said last week, John, that, uh, you know, if you compare this to soccer, we're not seeing conference realignment. We're seeing conference relegation at this point. You know, uh, that's what we're seeing firsthand with all that's uh, transpired here, uh, you know, separating the elites uh, at this point going forward. Uh, with, with all that being said, now you look at Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC. How do you think those two teams will fare with the rest of that league? Yeah, I think two very different stories here. And this is where some of it comes down to, like, I get so angry when I think about Texas. With Oklahoma, it's definitely disappointing. But I kind of throw my hands up and say, like, hey, man, you've earned it. If you want to go try this and you think this is what's going to elevate you, you guys have earned it. They've won 14 of the 25 Big 12 championships handed out. They've won six straight. They've been to four uh, – College football playoffs, obviously the only school from the Big 12 to do that. Hey, like whatever you guys think is in your best interest, it's hard to argue that they haven't been really carrying the rest of the Big 12 around because of that. And I think there is a legitimate case to be made that not only can they jump in and be competitive, but that this can be the thing that gets them over the top because they've had no problem making the playoff. The, the issue has been winning once they get there. And while I would make the case that they should have won that Rose Bowl against Georgia in 2018 and they also I mean really with Kyler Murray outside of a disastrous first quarter they played toe-to-toe with Alabama uh, one of those years as well I think they've proven they can be competitive but I would listen to the argument that hey going up against Alabama Georgia LSU Florida more regularly getting more games against those teams regularly in the regular season if even if you start to lose some of those games at first and it makes it a little trickier at first down the road that's going to help you elevate and know what it takes to play at the highest level instead of being more shocked by it when you get there in the playoffs. So I think there's a very compelling case for this can be something that leads to Oklahoma winning a national championship again, which hasn't happened since 2000 in the early days of Bob Stoops. I mean, Texas, on the other hand, I I just, you know, I was reading a piece on Inside Texas. We've had a guy who's been a a kind of a friend of the show um, from the site that was involved in that. And look, I, I respect him. But I vehemently disagreed with what was written, which was, hey, Texas was at its best when the Big 12 was at its best, when Nebraska was still good, K-State was rolling in the the late 90s, early 2000s, Colorado was a strong program, and when those programs were great, Mac Brown and Texas rise to the level of competition and they were at their best. I think it's simply Texas has made one good coaching hire in the last 30 years, and that was Mac Brown. They had that run. And everything else, they've just been a six and six, seven and five program. They quite literally have been a seven and five program over the last 10 years. And look, I mean, they hired Steve Sarkeesian. I, I that's not blowing me away. I, maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I I'm not they did not go out and get Urban Meyer, which was the the rumor there for a while. I don't see Texas having much more success. And maybe at the end of the day, it, they'll feel better about like that senator. I forget her name, the senator that said, Hey, your fans will be more happy losing to Alabama than TCU. Maybe that does make them feel better, but I, I don't see a path, at least in the short term, to them winning more right. in the SEC at all. I mean, going from Tom Herman to Sark was like going from Applebee's to Chili's. I mean, that's all that they've done with that hire. So, yeah, I'm not expecting much from Texas. I think Oklahoma can take a step up and compete, uh, especially when you talk about those playoff losses that they've suffered. That was when you've had a month to prepare. I think given Oklahoma week to week, it's going to be such a challenge for all these SEC teams to deal with for that Lincoln Riley offense. So we got a little bit of time left before we let you go, uh, John. I want to ask you, 
How are those uh, those cats looking uh, heading into 2021? What can you tell me about Chris Kleiman's crew? Yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism right now. They've they've certainly tried to change the culture. Last year, they were hit really hard by COVID. Um, they were also hit very hard by the fact that Skylar Thompson went out in the third game of the year. That, that was a fifth-year senior starting quarterback. He's about to be a sixth-year senior this year, and you went to a true freshman quarterback who – didn't have a spring practice because they they didn't have spring practice. I literally was working out at Manhattan High watching Will Howard like just try and get some work in there, and all of a sudden he's thrown in and, and is your starting quarterback most of the year. There were a lot of things that took a toll, and then you had some transfers toward the end of the year that kind of blew up the locker room. They had some issues at the end of last year, and so it's been a focus the offseason to, through the transfer portal and through the guys who stuck around, to really be more disciplined and try and shore some of those things up. It, they were also hurt by the fact they simply just couldn't meet and be around the players, the coaches that is much because of COVID last year. So they're saying all the right things about where everybody's head is at in that regard. And I think when it comes down to what they have on the field, offense should be pretty good. Skylar Thompson, very experienced, solid quarterback at worst can be great at best. We've seen that twice against Oklahoma now where he's won back-to-back years Deuce Vaughn is one of the most electrifying players in college football. He is a coach's dream, a coach's son who is a perfect leader, just an impeccable leader. He's a great player. Um, Malik Knowles, Daniel Matterbebe, they have some other weapons if they can stay healthy. I think the offense should be pretty good. They love the offensive line. Defense is where the questions are, um, especially at linebacker. They lost Wyatt Hubert to the NFL draft, who was their biggest playmaker on defense. Secondary should be a strength, and I would watch out for Julius Brents, who's a transfer from Iowa, who's going to be an NFL corner. I think he'll be a stud this year, but do they have enough depth and do they have enough playmaking ability on the front seven? I think those are massive question marks. They also have a very tough schedule to start the year. They, they play Stanford and Arlington. Then they have Nevada, who I think may be a better team actually than Stanford on their non-con. And then they start Big 12 play with Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State, bam, bam, bam. So all of that stuff to me leads to, I, I think they will be about a seven and five, eight and four kind of team. And if they can do that, that would be huge. I think just to get back on that track after a four-win season last year. And get another win against Texas will be nice too. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of <laughs> a lot of people will be uh, out for that, out for blood against the Longhorns this year. <laughs> John, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, before we go, tell people where they can find you and see all your great work. Yeah, absolutely. Would really appreciate you checking out the YouTube channel, John Kurtz, just J-O-H-N-K-U-R-T-Z. You can follow me on Twitter at J-L Kurtz. And uh, let's see. Facebook, Instagram, I guess if you want to add me there too, you certainly can. I've got a new podcast out called Lock It Up with Kurtz with Aaron Lockett, who's a former uh, K-State player, actually just about to uh, record that podcast here in a second. You can find that on YouTube uh, or wherever you find your podcast. And then my daily radio show, just search the game, KMAN, wherever it is that you find your podcast. Awesome stuff. John Kurtz, K-Man in Manhattan, joining us. Appreciate it, man. We'll uh, talk to you down the line. All right, sounds good, Tyler. Thanks, man. That's Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. You can also reach out to Brian O'Connor by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also on Facebook, O'Connor Advisory Group, and by email, brian.o'connor at lpl.com. That's Brian with a Y. Don O'Connor at LPL.com, and Brian O'Connor joins us now. Bo, how are we doing this week? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. Things are calming down a little bit and getting ready for football season here now. Yeah. Exciting. We actually have a game under our belts. Granted, it was the Hall of Fame game, but nonetheless, 
Bo, good to see the pads popping and things going both ways. Steelers and the Cowboys, full capacity crowd. Wasn't a pretty game by any means, but I certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, I didn't, nobody got hurt. That's the best part. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. in, the, in preseason, the best part is that no one got hurt. And, and yeah, I mean, it was, was it, it was 6-3, the final score, something like that. It was ridiculously low. But, I mean, it's, um, yeah, you just don't want to see anybody hurt in those games. And it is nice to see the pads pop in, guys. They're running plays and kind of seeing what's happening. A lot of guys are playing for spots. They're playing to get – some guys are just playing to get tape. So somebody else will see them too. So it's going to be – it's going to be an interesting uh, preseason with it being a shortened preseason now, only three games. The Steelers, the Cowboys get a fourth one, obviously. And then, uh, you know, going into that. And then – and Hard Knocks was last night. Do you watch Hard Knocks, Tyler? I have not. I will, though. Oh, man. See, Hard Knocks is my deal. I love Hard Knocks. I do too. Best show on television. Though, and even though it's the Cowboys, and we know that I hate the Dallas Cowboys, I will watch every moment of it. And, uh, yeah, it's they always give you a couple of people to kind of root for, and then you get a couple of folks who are like, oh, I don't like this guy or this, that. Yeah, and then they try to, they try to, push, try to push Zeke, and they try to push Dak. Dak and Zeke is the new best friends. They're the best friends that anybody could have. But they're all a little wolf pack, especially for Zeke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see what we get out of Jerry Jones and such. Uh, he has a he has a moment. Okay. He, he, okay. He, I'm not going to spoil it for you because you haven't watched it yet. I watched it late last night, and he uh, there's going to be a lot of Jerry. You know you don't have a lot of Jerry on that show. You can't have the Cowboys without Jerry. Without Jerry. You got to have Jerry. Uh, also with a Hall of Fame weekend, of course, the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremonies, two classes. Class of 2020, class of 2021. We talked about the guys going in last week, but now the speeches that we saw and everything. Uh, how about Peyton Manning? I mean, that felt like I was listening to a speech at a, a, a political convention of some sorts. I mean, like he came off very presidential. Um, you know, he, he was talking about, you know, fighting for the sport of football and carrying on the legacy and the heritage of the game, you know, go, going after the, the war on football, if you want to call it, how the game's been under attack for, for you know, recent years and such. I mean, um, this, this guy, I'm never going to watch Peyton's places the same again. When he says that he loves football and how much he cares about the game, I mean, he's very genuine about that. He's doing his part even yeah. well after football to grow the game, it seems, Bo. Yeah, Peyton, Peyton Manning loves football. And football's given him everything. Football's given the Mannings everything. And, and they really are people who want to pay that back. And Peyton embodies that. When I watched it, um, I mean, he was the perfect mix of a little bit of humor, a little bit of just talking about the Hall of Fame and what it obviously meant to him to be part of that big group of people, not just the, the recent generation of Hall of Famers, but he, he mentioned Sammy Ball and Unitas and and he, he mentioned going back to like Lance Allworth and these guys who a lot of fans right now don't even know who the hell they are. And it's like, you know, that's the history. He does understand and believe that. And the first thing I said when he ended his speech was that's future president Peyton Manning. Um, I don't think that's the reason he did it the way he did it, but uh, I saw the big thing on Twitter of everyone saying that, you know, Peyton Manning should be the next commissioner of the NFL. And uh, I couldn't think of a better person to represent the NFL as commissioner than Peyton Manning. 
whether you, I mean, there'll be some owners who won't like that, but I mean, if you want someone to represent your game, to always be positive, to always try to find a, a way to make the best out of anything, man, who better than Peyton Manning? And who doesn't like Peyton Manning? I mean, if you don't like Peyton Manning, there's probably something wrong with you. I mean, yeah, I mean, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, who cannot? I mean, look, I'm, I know that I'm the exception. I am a humongous Peyton Manning fan. I named a kid after Peyton Manning. Yes, Peyton, you are named for Peyton Manning. You know that already. Um, but I just, I mean, I, I, he'd be hard to not like. He'd be hard to outwork in that job. And the NFL, the owners, they're going to they're gonna seriously consider a move like that. It makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know what Peyton's going to do in uh, these next few years, but it's very evident he's not going away. I know that we've wondered if he was going to get into broadcasting or front office role or maybe even ownership stake. You mentioned the idea of commissioner, whatever it is. Um, Peyton Manning is here to stay. In some way, shape, or form, Peyton's still going to be involved. Yeah, you know what I think? This is this is this just popped in my head. Peyton Manning will be relevant for the next 50 years. Yes. The day he dies, he'll be doing something of relevance. Whether that's in football, business, politics, something, Peyton Manning will have some kind of relevance. And it's because of the type of person he is, not because he's rich. It's not because of anything like that. It's because he's genuine. And we live in a society where no one's genuine. Mm -hmm. I mean, no celebrity is genuine. We got reality TV is the biggest thing out there. And Peyton Manning's reality TV is just Peyton being a nauseous kind of guy who is actually really, really smart. Wasn't it refreshing, too, to hear a guy talk about wanting to grow the game and be a part and, you know, giving back for what the game has done to him? We've seen so many guys that don't want anything to do with football or don't care to give back and such. I mean, that's an older mentality that has gone away, gone to the wayside with these, you know, recent generations. Well, I I, – I think you're half right, half wrong. I don't, don't, don't think it's the wrong way. I think many of the guys who are in the Hall of Fame or retired from football, they've gotten so much from football, you know, whether that's, but then there are some issues. There's the CTE stuff, there's the pain, there's these sort of things you go through. Um, you know, fame it can be fleeting as well. It can be, it can be an, abatro- an albatross for many people. Um, and we always hear about the negatives. There are a lot of guys who do try to give back and, you know, Peyton Manning is going to have a bigger uh, – uh, he's going to have a bigger platform to come from. And I think that's the difference. I mean, you go out there and look and see what guys like Ray Lewis are doing. I mean, we can't say that these that a lot of these players aren't – they're walking away. Sure, some guys do walk away from football, but there are plenty of guys who are out there doing things that we just don't see on an everyday basis. Um, you know, and so – I kind of agree and disagree with you i mean i just i I think we don't see a lot of it um but i think we are going to see it in peyton's case for generations okay that's fair would it surprise you if peyton manning was president in 2040 no i mean i i think it could happen i mean would it surprise you if tom brady was president yes see it would me too and I don't think Tom Brady dislikes or is going to walk away from football when he's done. 
I just think that that's not who he is as a person. And that's not a knock on Tom Brady no. or anybody else who, who says, well, I've gotten what I've gotten out of this, and now I'm going to move on to my next part of my life. Hey, we all do that some way, shape, and form, whether that's with friends, with family, with business, or anything else. So we've all done that. So I'm not blaming anybody for doing that. But I do think that Peyton looks at it differently. I think he looks at it in a way of saying, this is who I am, and I owe everything I am to this game. Well, here's, here's what I think about as far as Peyton Manning, the, the person goes in the future for Peyton Manning. We all are presented with circumstances in, in life where most of the time we take the best option that's in front of us at that very second. But every once in a while, we all know that individual that bucks that trend and says, hey, I'm working on something. You don't need to know about it. You'll see, and this day will come. And then you wonder if that day is ever going to come. And then that day comes, and wow, that was a big deal. Peyton Manning has been retired five years now. A couple side projects here and there, but we're still waiting for that one big thing. Um, When that day comes, I don't think we're going to be disappointed in that thing. I don't either. I think it's really well put, actually. And and a great example of that is he could have gotten so much money. He could have got the money Tony Romo got to go Mm -hmm. be an announcer. And it would have been so easy to get that money. That wasn't what Peyton Manning's about. He could have been in the Broncos' front office. Yeah, he he could be a co-owner of a team right now. There is literally no job in the NFL or at any level of sports that you can look at Peyton Manning and go, nah, he couldn't do that. There is literally nothing in football that you couldn't suspect that Peyton Manning would be, one, able to do, and two, very good at it. That goes from being the commissioner of the NFL, an owner of an NFL team, Coaching. He has the money and the strength to do it, um, a, a general manager of a team, a head coach of a team, an offensive coordinator. He could do everything but quarterback game now. And – None of it would surprise you if he could do it, if he wanted to do it. If you heard tomorrow that Peyton Manning wanted to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, he would get that job. Mm -hmm. If you heard that he was going to go buy the Denver Broncos, that him and John Elway were going to buy all the rest of the owners out, and they were going to own the team from here forward, would that surprise you? No. No. I mean, there's nothing about him that's surprising because he embodies – the principles of working hard and being grateful for what you've got and taking on whatever responsibilities he are and taking them seriously. I mean, that's a role model. Yeah. I've never been, you know what? I've never in the 19 years that my kid's been alive. And yes, for folks, my kid is 19. He's been with Peyton Manning. I've never been once disappointed that I named my kid after Peyton Manning. There you have it. That's great. Bo, we'll move on. Uh, a guy that's not nearly as significant, Der- Derek Carr. Um, <laughs> Derek Carr, 30 years old, says that 30 is the new 20 in the NFL based on the way the league is going, in particular with quarterbacks. Points to Tom Brady, says he wants to play till he's 45 like Tom Brady. Um, Bo, we know that Derek Carr is not that good. We don't know how much longer he'll be in the league, in all honesty. Um, but of the sentiment, is he right about that? Is there room for guys to play longer, or is Brady the exception to the rule? You know, I 
Brady's the exceptions, the exceptions to the rule. I mean, look at – and we talk about Peyton Manning. To me, Peyton Manning's one of the best five quarterbacks of all time. Look what happened to Joe Montana and Dan Marino at the end of their careers. You go off a steep cliff quickly. You know, Father Time is undefeated. And it, he's going to catch Brady with a right hook this year, I think. Um, but, you know, Brady's been the one guy that's gone 12 rounds with Father Time. Derek Carr has no chance. <laughs> I don't know that Derek Carr is the starter of an NFL team in 2022. Right. Much less – that he's going to be playing in, in 15 years. If he's going to be playing in 15 years, that's going to be in the XFL volume four. You know, it's not going to be in the NFL. Um, now, this is just wishful thinking on Derek Carr's part. I, I mean, we know I don't think he's much of a quarterback right now anyway. I, If I was the coach of the Raiders, I wouldn't have him on my team. Um, I, This is just him just saying stuff. And this is one of those uh, – as. As Tommy said in Goodfellas, what am I with pay no mind list? Yeah, yeah, we're going to put Derek Carr on the pay no mind list. I'm not listening to anything he has to say until he actually wins something. Uh, I'm with you. Speaking of quarterbacks, you also don't like that can't play. Uh, Carson Wentz. Um, yeah. Sounds like that he's trending towards playing week one. We've talked about this that Carson Wentz. We're not fans of him as is, and we've already seen what happens when he tries playing injured or off of injury. Now back week one, um, I mean, I I would guess the Colts are happy about this. They're the ones that brought him in anyway. Um, But Colts fans, I can't be feeling too great that they're going to rush back Carson right now. Yeah. Why are you going to rush Carson Wentz back? I I don't get it. I mean, he – He's a, he's a reclamation project in the first case. I mean, first off, you're bringing him in. You're hoping that you can do something with him. You need time. If he's banged up, you're going to bring him up to week one against the Seahawks. You know, I, the Colts have to be looking at this like their window is closing to have any chance of winning. And they really think that Carson Wentz is the answer. Uh, personally, I don't think he's the answer. Of course, we've talked about time and time again. I think it was a terrible move. The Colts getting Carson Wentz and what they paid for him. But I just, I don't get it. And I, I, I understand it. If understand getting Carson Wentz, if you believe he's a reclamation project, you think you can restore him to what he was a couple of years, but he had a great season three, two or three years ago. Yeah. Know, when he was, he was up there in the MVP talk. And if you think he's going to be that guy, you can't rush him back. You've got to let him get healed because he goes there week one and gets hit. And all of a sudden he's playing on a gimpy ankle or a gimpy leg, whatever. I guess a, a decent defense. Uh, I got to look at the week two here. I mean, you just, you look, I mean, he's going to be in trouble these first few weeks if he's not there at hundred percent. Well, early. to add he's to that, let me have Rams, one. play the Rams week two. They play the Rams week two. He should start oh, God. Week, at least week three. Aaron Donald might end his career. To if, add if to all this too, hurt. Bo, I mean, look at the Bucks last year. They make the playoffs as a wild card. They played the extra game. They played all road games, and they still won the whole damn thing, And they right? had to win five games in a row to get in the playoffs. Right. With you know, the Colts, think about this, okay? Let's say that you got to go with Sam Ellinger and you hope to go 500 for two or three, four weeks, whatever it is. Um, 
And maybe because of that, that puts you in the wild card as opposed to winning the division. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt, best case scenario, that you start Sam Ellinger and you get a wild card spot. All you got to do is get in. I mean, like, why rush this? Give yourself the best chance to succeed, even if this puts you back a bit now. I mean, it's about the end of the year, not the beginning anyway. Yeah, they have a tough road at the beginning. I mean, we see week one, Seattle. Week two is the Rams. Week three, they have uh, the Titans in Tennessee, uh, who I'm very high on this season. And then week four, the Colts are playing the Dolphins, who are going to be no slouch. So they got a tough first four games. I'm just looking at four games in the segment there. But you think about it, I mean, rushing him back is a huge mistake. I can see if you're the Colts to say, hey, we're going to think week three is a division game. Week three, let's get him away from the Rams, get him away from Aaron Donald, who might kill him. Uh, let's get into, let's get to week three. Let's see if we can get a split the first two games by using quarterbacks that we've got throughout the entire training camp, getting all the reps. Let's see if we can go one and one, and then let's give ourselves a chance to win nine of 15 from there. Because 10 wins will get you in. Mm-hmm. 10 wins should get you in the playoffs. 10 and seven, you're in the show. 10 and seven should get you in. It's when you got eight teams going in. So, or seven, I'm sorry, seven. So, I mean, you should have a chance. And they're in a division where they should finish second in the division. They're the second best team. If they had a better quarterback, they might be the best roster. But neither here nor there right now. But yeah, I think it's a huge mistake to have him ready for week one. I wouldn't even try. I'd be like, week three at best. Right. Well, I mean, look back at the timeline. What was it just we were told three weeks ago that he was going to be five to 12 five to weeks 12. out? Yeah. Yeah, I, either somebody was full of shit a few weeks ago or they're worried about what those first four games are going to look like. That's a, that's a beast of a schedule to start. I get that. Right. But week three and four are more important than week one and two. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Absolutely. Uh, how about Zach Wilson, the uh, rookie quarterback for the Jets, expected to uh, start right away as uh, the Jets quarterback in that just awful offense that he's going to have to deal with. And reports out of training camp are that he hasn't looked too hot uh, at this point. Bo, um, I don't care if if, uh, if Zach Wilson doesn't look too hot. I mean, for one, the Jets are terrible around him. I mean, any it's going to be tough for any quarterback to look good around that offense. Uh, but two, he's a rookie, and training camp should be your time to experiment and try out some new things. We've heard this song and dance before, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, they said the same thing. Um, Joe Burrow, they said the same thing. I mean, when when will we ever learn to, that these guys are there? It's called training camp for a reason. Yeah, yeah what it is, it's one asshole gets on, it's on some kind of social media, some reporter who's there for a day or two. He sees a quarterback who in some seven-on-seven drill throws two interceptions. And, uh, you know, think of it this way. You brought this point that we were talking offline. You're inside the twenty. You decide you're going, to, you're going to try to make a throw you normally wouldn't make in a game. You're just trying to build some rapport with the receiver, maybe. And you end up not putting it in the right place. Somebody picks it up. Or maybe you take a shot on something and the DB makes a great play. You know, that's basically a punt. You know, it's so overrated to say that these players, you know, he threw three picks in a practice. Get the fuck out of here with that. All the way the fuck out of here with it. 
It's just one of those things that, no, it doesn't matter. Look, that's their quarterback. Zach Wilson is the quarterback of the Jets. And he's going to have a horrible offensive line. They're going to be terrible this season. They might be the worst team in the league. And he's going to get his brains beat out this year. So don't worry about how he plays in preseason. Worry about protecting him, teaching him how your offense and the new offense they're going to put in, and teach him how to get right and how to get away from the defenders coming at him. I get so angry when I hear about this person's playing bad, this person. You, you don't know that. You know, some guys that camp for two days from SI or from ESPN.com, he ain't been in the meeting rooms. He ain't been in the meeting room where a QB coach is saying, hey, today I want you to try to throw some back shoulder stuff to this guy over here. We're going to work on this route. We're going to work on this with your footwork. You know, it could be something they see in a practice and go, hey, we got to correct this. So you go back and correct that in your next round of drills. And yeah, you do like you got two left feet. And maybe it throws your throwing off a little bit. Well, you're trying to correct something that you've already know is wrong. I, it's people who don't really understand that or aren't thinking at that level are going to throw something out there on, on social media. Or you get a couple people who are, you know, supposed insiders because they run a website and they say, well, this guy didn't look good at practice. Well, how do you know? What do you really, what are you really looking at? Give me something specific. I'll listen to you if you say um, the what I heard this past week was Joe Burrow doesn't look good because Joe Burrow's favoring the knee and he's being gimpy around when someone's coming at him. Okay, I'll listen to that. He's worried about getting hit on the knee that's recovered. Right. I'll listen to that a little bit. But at the same time, how do you know that maybe he's doing something on purpose? Maybe he's testing it to see what he's doing. Right. Oh, Zach Wilson could be doing the same type of thing. It could be that he's just simply going, hey, you know, I got to get here and learn this offense. I got to try some things that I haven't done before. And I have to try to make some throws I've never made. Or it's just a different damn speed of a game. Right. And there's a big difference between the DBs in the NFL and who you're playing out when you're playing BYU. Mm-hmm. You're going to have it up. You're going to have some, some growing pains. I, I listen to almost none of it. Would you rather be Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson right now? Ooh. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, They're both in awful situations. Yeah, so I think you you were the one I was talking to about this. Do we trust the Jets to make the right decision uh, with the number two pick? Um, You know, was Zach Wilson the right fit? I don't know. I I think I'd rather physically be Trevor Lawrence, just knowing that you have certain skills that Zach Wilson doesn't have. Sure. And, you know, there's a couple pieces around him there. I don't like the coach in Jacksonville. I mean, we've made it very clear that I am not a fan of Urban Meyer at all. I like Um, Robert Sala, though, in New York. I do. I do, too. So that's where I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of if I gave myself a grade on the situation uh, as an organization – Probably rather be in Jacksonville uh, with a coach, rather be with the Jets coach, uh, with the team around me. Probably the Jags roster is a little better. And physically, Lawrence is a better player. So, I mean, they answer the question in a roundabout way. I'd probably rather be Trevor Lawrence, but I don't think either of them are in a better situation than the other. 
All right, let's uh, talk one more thing before we uh, wrap up this week. Let's move on to college football. AP Top 25 preseason poll is out. Uh, I hate these preseason polls, but we have to have something to talk about anyway. Uh, big shock, Alabama number one, Clemson number two, Oklahoma number three. Oklahoma received two first-place votes. Uh, Ohio State four, Georgia five, Texas A&M six, Notre Dame seven, Iowa State eight, North Carolina nine, Cincinnati rolls in at number 10. Uh, Bo, what do you make of that uh, that top 10 of that uh, AP poll? Here's what you do. You go to the you go to the poll, and you look not at the top because we know who's going to win the whole thing. Alabama's going to win. I mean, they're just they're just better than everybody else. See, um, that's where uh, I think this year Oklahoma breaks through and wins it all. I think Alabama's going to win it all. I, and I don't even like Alabama, but they don't. But they're going to be the best. I got Oklahoma um, and Alabama in the title game. Oklahoma. Here's wins. the here's the here's the thing I want to think about. So. Every year, seemingly, and I don't know the stat on this, but I know that there's a stat out there on this. There's always someone that starts below 10 who gets into the playoff. Okay. So who between 10 and 20 makes the playoff? Hmm. I I'll think read the, the 10. You got Cincinnati. I'm looking at the coaches' poll. I think Cincinnati. your playoff is the top four already. Cincinnati, Florida, Oregon, LSU, USC, Wisconsin, Miami, Indiana, Iowa, Texas, Penn State. Give me one, Tyler. Give me one that can make the playoff. Uh, I think Oregon. I'll take USC. Okay, so we like Pac-12 teams. <laughs> USC, and I like it, and of course I'm going to be a homer and outside chances at LSU. If LSU's quarterback situation is good. And if if if, if, Mac, if Max Johnson's going to be good, then I like LSU a lot. Okay. We'll see, we'll see how that's going to work. But uh, if I had to choose one, I'd pick USC. I don't like Clay Helton enough. I think Clay Helton's getting fired after this year. He's kind of hung on for a couple of years. They improved drastically last year. I just, yeah. I, the other question is, which of the top 10 finishes the lowest? Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, AM, Notre Dame, Iowa State, North Carolina, Cincinnati. Uh, I'd go North Carolina. Give me Notre Dame. Okay. Um, as far as Oregon goes, let's, let's circle back for a second for our, our outside top 10 chances. I was talking to my dad about this the other day, Bo. In this era of NIL now, we know Oregon's got a good head coach in Mario Crystal Ball. They're a physical team. They're not playing like they did in the Chip Kelly days. They're really tough on defense. They love to run the football. Um, we've seen how that can work and be successful at an elite level. That's what the SEC did for however many years. Um, you look at how recruiting's been down. You know, the, the, the Pac-12 hasn't had the players that they would have liked um, you get NIL with all that Nike money. You got the right head coach there. And we've seen Oregon be successful before. Aren't they kind of a sleeping giant of sorts? Can't Oregon really take advantage in this NIL era to come back and be an elite powerhouse again? Couldn't USC? I mean, yeah. potentially. Yeah, but yes. Yeah, potentially. The question is yes. But USC doesn't have the right head coach. That's what I'm saying. Oregon's got the guy, I think. Yeah, but USC has a lot of money. And a lot of people tend to be good. 
And there's a lot of people who are throwing shit on the money at people. Yeah. So the NIL, this is what you got to think of in the NIL. The NIL is not about Nike giving money. It's not about the school giving money. It's about boosters giving money. It's about yes. what businesses locally or, or even nationally are going to give money to these players. There's not a real, there's not a, the football team of Los Angeles is USC. Mm-hmm. Rams, not the Chargers, it's USC. Uh, to your point about Oregon, yes, they're a sleeping giant. I'll go back to what your, your question was, not, not transition here. Uh, but yeah, you're right. And people will want to play there. Um, again, it's going to come down to, well, in, you know, where are they going to get the money from? You know, there is a lot of money from Nike, you know, for Oregon and it has been, it's Phil Knight's team. And, you know, and he's, you know, he's not the, you know, the CEO of Nike anymore, but he's always going to be involved as chairman. And yeah, I mean, there's going to be money there. People are going to want to play. It is kind of a kind of cool cachet to it. Uh, it has for a generation now, at least. I think that, I think you're on to something there. I think that we're going to see a few different schools come up because of NIL like that. I think that Oregon and USC are two of them. Um, I think Texas is one of them. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma were smart to make the play they made for the SEC because now they're going to get more money to the schools and then there's going to be more NIL money to those players. I mean, hell, the U could come back. Yeah. Oh, and you notice people there that want that. <laughs> I mean, we've already seen some of those moves. Uh, what is it? The, the college, the college hunts guys. The, yeah. Guys, the CEO of college hunts. Is throwing a bunch of money at them. There's the um, the MMA gym who's throwing money at all the players. Bring and back you know, Nevin Shapiro, right? Yeah, I mean they're <laughs> oh they, they they not only want the U to be back, they want to be the U. Yes. And let me say this: if we could have the U, like the real U, not the U, like the we want like the Jimmy Johnson U, U back. Right. We want Michael Irvin and 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 that generation. We want those guys back. We want that you back. Can we have like the, the the ones from the '80s, the early '90s? Can we have that you back? Because if we can have that you back, college football is going to be a blast. You talk about a team that just isn't going to care. Yes, they need to they need to hire the right person in that job. They need Coach Bo with the U. Coach Bo could run the U. <laughs> I'll bring you on as a, I'll get you, you can be announced. Okay. We'll put you in the booth. We'll let you do all sports. But it'll, it'll, hey, we may not always win, but it'll always be fun. Right. That's <laughs> all you want. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to recruit well and we're going to, and we're going to be competitive in every game before and after the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like your point there with the NIL stuff. There, there are some sleeping giants though. And, uh, you know, another one to me is Arizona State. Yeah. A lot of money, a lot of money, big school, you know, one of the biggest alumni bases in the country, Phoenix, you know, rest of Phoenix and Scottsdale. You know, they got a great coach. They got a coach with some cachet, too. So, I mean, who wouldn't want to – hey, look, we, we, I think I've said this to you before, is, you know, he can go into Big Mama's house and get any recruit he wants in the trials. Mm-hmm. If he's going to Big Mama's house and you know Herm Edwards walks in, you're gonna she's gonna be like, oh, Coach Herm, yeah, you, maybe go, you go and play for him, right. especially the NIL money he's in. Yeah, then there's some sleeping giants. This 
we could talk about this one for a while. It'd be some dream deals coming from those those four schools alone: Oregon, USC, Arizona State, and Miami. One more for you. We'll wrap up on this. I hope you catch what I'm about to say here, Bo. Um, there's eight SEC teams in the top 25. Oh yeah. Let me look again. Let me. Uh, hang on. I gotta get that back up here. I. I hate standing noise here, but give me a moment. I hope you get what I mean with this. Okay, so let me count them here. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> yeah, you include Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought you were going at, but I wanted to make sure first. I wanted yes. to check because there's six. SCC. SCC. Hey, man, you guys know I'm already – I'm a huge SEC guy as is. This is all playing out exactly as I've been saying it's going to play out for the last five years. I mean, it just, it's hard being right all the time. Right. When I went to Oklahoma this week, Bo, I crossed the state line. I'm like, wow, it just means more. It just means more. (laughs) And if you don't understand that, I mean, look, I live in Lawrence and I I see that I've become Jayhawk adjacent since my wife works for KU and my son's going to be a KU student. And, and you don't catch me in much Jayhawk gear, but I do root for those guys. I want them to be good for, for the sake of everybody here who's a big Jayhawk fan. But it's a different animal. You go to a KU game, you usually go to a KU football game because you either got free tickets or someone's having a pretty decent tailgate. And you might go for the first quarter of the game and then go to the tailgate. Or after. your team's playing against KU. Or your team's playing against. That's, that's the other one. Those three. I double dog dare you to go to – LSU, Old Miss, Mississippi State, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, any of the SEC schools to say, I'm just kind of here because they got free tickets. First off, you didn't get free tickets. Secondly, you're not going to just a quarter of the game. Unless you're at LSU and you just don't even bother going into the game, you just give your tickets to somebody else because you drank too much in the parking lot before the game. That happens a lot for the 7 p.m. kickoffs. And they're out there at like 9 a.m. for the 7 p.m. kickoff. Don't believe me? Go to Baton Rouge. Um, Baton Rouge is better tailgating than the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't believe me? I'll fight you over it. It's true. I'll fight anyone who wants to be, who wants to differ. Just means more. It just means more. <laughs> it's just a different animal. It goes back a hundred years, and those rivalries are something. And it's just, it's just different. I like the way you said it. you go into Oklahoma, and it, now it just means more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I walked in. I'm like, wow, I'm in SEC country now. I mean, SEC means <laughs> more. Hmm. No. There's only one Oklahoma. Hmm. <laughs> and you notice, it, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see what's going to happen. I, you know, now the the big the Big Twelve's talking to the Pac-12. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. They had their first date. Went for about six hours. That's a long date, actually. You know, I, I got some grief from a friend of mine. You know, I, I, I tweeted out on Twitter, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Coach Bill Snyder. And Coach Bill Snyder said on Twitter a few couple weeks ago when the announcement came out that OU and, and Texas were most likely going to the SEC at the time, he said, have faith in our presidents and in our commissioner. And I said to him, no offense, Coach, but no one has faith in that commissioner. And rightfully so. playing from behind the entire time. Yikes. You know, there's no way that you talk about a conference needs leadership. I mean, they, they're, so they're going to go on a date with the big, with the Pac-12. 
The Pac-12 is going to leave. Y'all some ugly motherfuckers now. Because <laughs> there's nothing pretty left. I mean, I mean, it may, they, maybe the Big 12 bought the dinner. I don't know. I, I just, you know, maybe the Big 12 was someone's relative. I don't know. But the Pac-12 could do better than the Big 12. Well, I said this on last week's show, and I'll say it again, Bo. For, for KU, they need to be like that Usher song, Yeah. They need to be a lady in the street, but a freak <laughs> in the bed. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> a lady, yeah. Hey, man, KU's going to have to do something. I, I, I really want to see it go well for KU. If, again, not, I'm not I'm Jayhawk and Jason. That's what I call it. That's my, that's my line. That sounds like, like Jayhawk's anonymous. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to see them for the sake of the people that I know and care about that are Jayhawk fans. I want to see them land on their feet. I just don't see how it's going to happen. I mean, they, they either have to do something to get into the Big Ten or just bite the bullet and go to the ACC. And they're going to have to find a dance partner to go with them to the ACC. Yeah. I don't know who that is. Well, we're out of time. Appreciate you joining us as always. Check him out online, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com, OAGCast.com. Also by phone, 785-856-0720, the scheduling appointment today. Bo, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. Hey, man, Tyler, it just means more. Just means more. That's it. SEC. 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 A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. You heard us talking with Coach Bo just a moment ago about the college football AP Top 25 poll. And just to kind of continue that discussion that uh, we were talking about with Bo there, Alabama number one, no surprise, Clemson two, Oklahoma three, Ohio State four, Georgia five, Texas A&M six, Notre Dame seven, Iowa State eight, North Carolina nine, Cincinnati 10th. And looking at that top 10, um, you know, this looks like that the voters – in the uh, coaches poll, did I say AP top 25 coaches poll, whatever it is, um, kind of just picked up from where they left off with last year's top 10. You're looking at some of the same teams of the world that were, uh, that were there at the end of uh, last year and Alabama and Clemson and Oklahoma and Ohio state. I think that's your playoff top four. I think that the coaches poll has it right from the jump. Those are the four teams I would expect to see in the postseason when it's all said and done. You, you heard me say, Bo and I were giving our predictions. I like Oklahoma to break through and win the national title this year and beat Alabama in the championship game. I know that's a bold prediction, uh, considering Oklahoma hasn't won a playoff game, but I, I feel like this is the year their defense breaks through, that they're, uh, they're, they had the pieces offensively. Rattler's the quarterback. They got the right coach in Lincoln Riley. These are the two most talented teams. Um, but you look at the rest of this list, AM is going to be solid. Notre Dame, um, solid but not elite. Iowa State, really good team. The only thing that stands in their way happens to be the Oklahoma Sooners, which, in my opinion, look like the best team in college football entering 2021. If Iowa State didn't have to play Oklahoma twice, Iowa State would have a decent shot to go to the playoff. Heck, if Iowa State splits with Oklahoma – then they might still find their way into the postseason. What I would say, Tom, though, with, with Iowa State, that you have to think about, and I know every year is different, every year is a new year, but I still wonder when they're going to stumble along the way, whether it's that 
week one loss to, you know, last year when they had Louisiana Lafayette or, you know, when, when they lose to, you know, Oklahoma State or something like that, like they've done, you know, over the last few years of some sorts. Iowa State has been a program on the rise and they've done a really good job under Matt Campbell. But it, it, it seems like that time and time again, they, they lose that one they're not supposed to, but yet they, they do win one they're not supposed to either. Um, kind of that the, the, uh, that syndrome of some sorts. That's what I look at with Iowa State if, you know, as far as how high they can go among these Big 12 teams is who's going to be the one that they do give one away. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't think last year they didn't play Iowa, obviously, because of COVID. But, um, you know, they, they about dropped the game last year to ULL. and They did. Um, go, did they? No, it went to three overtimes. They pulled it out. No, no, no. They, they lost week one to Louisiana Lafayette. Let me see. Week one. September 12th. I'm pulling it up. Yeah, they oh, lost. Yeah, that. I guess they did. Yeah, yes. I I thought there was there was another game. I thought they like had uh, went to three overtimes. Maybe it was the following week. Um, so they they had the slow starts. You mentioned that they can't really get over the Mike Gundy waterfall hill. Um, they did in Brock Purdy's October breakout game what three years ago. Um, so you know they can do it. I mean, they have Northern Iowa first which that shouldn't be a problem. But like I said before, and we mentioned it last year, you know, these Matt Campbell teams are great, you know, for especially Iowa State standards. They should build a f-ing statue of Matt Campbell. should already been done. Um, but, I mean, in the case of Iowa State, like we mentioned, they start out slow. You got Northern Iowa first. That should be a gimme. You know, Northern Iowa, that's a trap game in my opinion. But first game out of the gate, Iowa State started slow. That's got trap written all over it. Then you got Iowa. You know, you haven't played them. That game's heated anyway. They can get past Iowa and, you know, handle with ease Northern Iowa. They can make it out of the state of Iowa in the first two weeks. I really going to like what Iowa State's going to have going. Then you got UNLV um, after that, which that should be a gimme too, and I believe that one's at home. I wouldn't, you know, if I was Iowa State, I wouldn't mind playing in Vegas. Oh, no, it's a, it is in Vegas. But you, like I said, you got Northern Iowa at home. You got Iowa at home. Um, there should be no reason there. Then your first game, Big 12 games on the road at Baylor. Okay. You should be able to handle that. Then you got KU, K State. That's, you know, it's a, looks like a pretty backloaded schedule. You should have no problem beating Kansas. You know, you play in Manhattan against K State, could be a trap game. And then you got Oklahoma State at home. And if you beat Oklahoma State and you're undefeated from there, well, then you got you go to Morgantown and play West Virginia. That's gonna that's that's no easy task in Morgantown. Never is. Then you got Texas at home. Then you play Tech, and then you go to Norman on November twentieth. And if they're undefeated um, by the time they get to Norman and say lose it, lose that game, then you got you know TCU at home. There's no reason Iowa State shouldn't be undefeated by the time they get to OU. Wasn't really no you to break down uh, Iowa State's entire schedule there, but nonetheless. Well, I mean, I'm just I'm just showing you. It's I mean, it's fairly backloaded. Right. I mean, you know, you if they, you make it past Iowa, you're set. Then you got, like I said, UNLV, Baylor, KU, K State, and then you, your first real test after that's Oklahoma State. And I would take Oklahoma State over Iowa. That's your first tough game. 
at home. No reason they shouldn't be undefeated going into that game. But yeah. like I said, slow start, Matt Campbell teams, who knows? Well, and then you, you look at the rest. You know, North Carolina, I like Sam Howell quarterback, um, but I don't know if I necessarily believe they have everything else. Um, I do think it's funny, though, Tom, that Mac Brown already has his team ranked higher than Texas in a preseason poll. That didn't take long. Yeah, and it's UNC, not a blue blood. You know, the one thing, the, the team that sticks out to me, other than UNC, and that one, I get it because Sam Howell, the hype, I get the hype. Um, team that sticks out to me that I'm like, well, A&M, I don't know. I don't know about that. Should they be that high? You no know, Kellen Mond. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you who the quarterback is. I'm pretty sure it's some stud kid that's a freshman. Uh, I could be I could be manifesting there. Yeah. I don't know who the quarterback is. Um, I wasn't a huge Kellen Mond fan in, anyway. Um, so you might actually have an upgrade uh, moving on from Kellen Mond, in all honesty. Um, for that. Like I said, I don't know who they, I don't know who they have. I've got to look that up too. I don't I have no clue who they have a quarterback. That's, that's, I guess my biggest hang up with them that they don't, you know, it, you know, granted, you know, I know you weren't Kellamon fan and I wasn't a huge Kellamon fan either, but it's always hard to start off with the new QB. You know, you go from one that, you know, got the job done, essentially not winning the SEC, but it's serviceable uh, to, it looks like a kid named Haynes King. Um, I'm going to guess that's who that is. Um, yeah, I guess Haynes King. Never heard of him. Sounds like a hell of a football player name, though. Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting to see what A&M can do there. But that's the team, I guess, that sticks out to me the most, other than UNC. Yeah. Um, you go on down the line. Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati is going to have an easy schedule in the American. and They bring almost everybody back. Um, I think that's a good team, Cincinnati there at 10. Um, what about Indiana at 17? Indiana was very close to beating Ohio State last year in winning the Big Ten. They weren't far off from pulling it off. Um, they're not very athletic, that Indiana team was last season, but that's one that the eyeball, the, the eyeball pops at me to see that when you look at the Big Ten right now, with Michigan down, with Michigan State down, um, you know, Penn State, James Franklin's on the hot seat, although they're ranked 20th. Um, wouldn't that be intriguing if Indiana puts something together, if they pull something out of their hat here? I mean, it, it would be – I think it could be a sign of two things, Tom, if Indiana is good again. Um, if Indiana rises up, it is a sign of how much the Big Ten is down but also a credit to what Indiana is doing as a football program. I, th I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. Yeah, neither do I. I mean, it, it could, it could, it could be that, you know, good for Indiana that they're on the, on the come up, but you know, it's, you know, it's a little nerve wracking, I guess it would be like if KU just all of a sudden got good and competed for the big 12 out of nowhere. That's how I feel about Indiana and the big 10. Maybe that's a stretch saying KU, maybe more like Texas Tech. If Texas Tech just came out of nowhere, that's how I feel like Indiana is in the Big Ten. But yeah, I, you know, I kind of like their story. A little Cinderella last year. Uh, if not then, then Minnesota. But, uh, you know, I don't even see Minnesota on here. I'm sure they lost some players and that's why they're not. But who knows? I mean, they kind of came, row the boat. 
Yeah. Minnesota did uh, not receive any votes for the top 25, actually. Um, two more teams I want to bring up. Texas at 19. Texas is always going to be overranked. I know they went to the Alamo Bowl last year, but you don't have Sam Ellinger. Uh, you got a new head coach and Steve Sarkeesian. Um, Texas, I don't know what to expect out of Texas this year. I think they could win as many as nine games. I think they could finish as bad as, you know, six or seven wins. I think that's kind of the range for Texas this year. Um, not high on what Sark can do year one. I don't think that you improve, you have got a better head coach than what you already had in Tom Herman. We've talked about that. Oklahoma State at 22. Um, you know, Spencer Sanders didn't improve last year. He may have regressed in actuality. Um, I think Shane Illenworth is just as good, if not better. Uh, hopefully he gets a chance at some point to prove himself if, if Sanders can't get the job done. Um, I am concerned about that offensive line, though, in Stillwater. Uh, Oklahoma State's got some big offensive line issues. 22 might be low for Oklahoma State, um, but, you know, you got to have that O-line shirt up if you're going to compete in this Big 12 conference. I mean, that to me is um, if they don't get that offensive line, if they can't figure out, uh, you know, if if Spencer Sanders can't take that next step, then maybe 22 is going to be okay for OSU. I, I, I there's some glaring weaknesses. Not saying they can't overcome those things, Tom, but uh, they, they do have their work cut out for them. You know, everything I've heard from OSU on terms of the offensive line has been good so far. You know, last year they had a guy leave right before season started. They had so many injuries on that line. Um, and, you know, you, you lose a guy to the draft. Uh, but for the most part, you know, they're all guys who have experience now, like playing so many multiple positions on the line. So I, I think that immediately gets better. How much better? I don't know. But it's going to be better from last year. It has to be. There's no way it's not. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get more experience in injuries, hopefully don't plague that line. Um, and then, you know, obviously optimistic Tom here. But from also from what I've heard, I don't think, you know, they're going to release anything bad. But from what I've heard, it it you know, from Gundy and not personally, obviously I wish that would be awesome. But um, from what I've heard from sources who talked to Gundy said, I guess that Spencer Sanders has taken the leap and that they are very confident now that I guess he's, he's got the edge and, you know, he dealt with injuries last year too, um, you know, right out of the gate in that Tulsa game. Um, and so hopefully he's got his confidence back. You know, he doesn't have Tylen Wallace as his, his, his security blanket anymore. You got a couple new receivers that are going to get a chance. I mean, Brennan Presley, um, I think, is the next great Oklahoma State wide receiver, Bixby kid. Um, So, I mean, you like to hope so. But from what we've seen in the bowl game, he looked pretty damn good. So I think 22 is just perfect for OSU right now as a fan and as a guy obviously who follows him like a religion. uh, I think 22 is just great. Not too high, not terribly low. Uh, I, I think it's more on Oklahoma State to prove it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment. We'll uh, go ahead and move on from this. And before we wrap up today's show, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? Jones, we're going to go to Poland. You know, we, we like to go overseas sometimes. And so we are going all the way to Poland this time. And this comes from a website called notesfrompoland.com. 
Uh, headline reads, I'm going to keep this running as we normally do, stories about poop most of the time. We're going to keep that going. Headline reads, how to poop in the woods. Polish state forests advise on answering calls of nature. Poland State Forestry Agency has put up signs showing people what to do if nature calls. The notices, titled How to Do a Poo in the Woods, contain five illustrated steps advising visitors to this Pachawa Forest District in northeastern Poland on how to relieve themselves. I'm looking at it now. Obviously, it's in uh, Polish, so I can't read what it says on the sign. I'm sure they'll translate it, but there is some very... <laughs> Funny drawings here. Uh, if paper is used, it should be buried along with the waste, says the sign. If none is available, State Forest um, suggests that dry moss makes a useful alternative. Um, oh, so this tweet is in Polish, but I'm looking at the, <laughs> the signs here. And they're talking about digging a hole. And then literally there's a butt on step three, pooping in the hole. Golly. I wish I got paid to make a sign like that. Earlier this year, the branch of State Forest in Spachoa also launched a campaign on its Facebook page illustrating how to do a poo with respect for nature and ourselves. It decided to create the material after a child visiting the forest was unsure how to relieve themselves. Within a few hours, forest beetles will take care of your poo and there will not be any trace of it, wrote State Forest. The moss will continue to grow in the same place and those of us who visit the forest will not see a load uh, Paparizatsky, a slang term for human feces covered with paper. And can walk. Jones, what do you think about pooping in the woods? Have you ever pooped in the woods? I have pooped in the woods, and I used a leaf as toilet paper before. Um, I'm very pro pooping in the woods. Sometimes you just gotta let it out. You gotta let it go uh, when you need to, and you have no other option. And uh, you know, you, you leave it and uh, it will eventually just come back and, and uh, dissolve and, you know, fit in with the rest of nature. I mean, all these animals are doing it anyway. Why not humans? Right. I mean, you know, obviously, if you need to go in the woods, you got to you got to go. But, um, you know, you wipe it with a leaf what kind of leaf like just a leaf off of a tree or a plant i mean it could go very bad if you didn't know your leaves and you just reached for the nearest one. Oh yeah i mean you got to do a leaf off a tree i mean you don't want to get a leaf that's gonna you know scratch you up or something like that you got to be very particular well, can you, yeah can you imagine if you reached and it was poison ivy that you're wiping that butt with right or what if you accidentally like touched a cactus or something and you're wiping your ass with a cactus that wouldn't be very pleasant i mean I, you were just in phoenix i saw those cactuses you know if you, you got to do what you got to do at that point at that point I, I think you gotta yeah i mean you can never you know wipe your wipe your ass on the ground like a dog would you know like drag it across right i guess if the grass was really green and fresh then I don't know. That would be a funny sight to see. But Jones, I, they show you how to poop in the woods on this sign. I don't think, I think that's the tomfoolery of this. I think everybody obviously knows how to poop. And if you got to go in the woods, it's not going to be a pleasant experience regardless. You know, you know, especially in, I wouldn't want to poop in the, in the woods in Oklahoma. Not in the summer. It'd be humid and sticky and nasty and 
you know, you'd have to just, you have to obviously do what you had to do, but how to poop in the woods. I don't think anybody's just pooping on a trail. That would be even more tomfuller if you just walked, you know, walking on a trail and you found just a human turd lying right in the middle of the trail. I don't think anybody's doing that. I'd hope not. No, you got to do it off to the side. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they say the Beatles will take care of it shortly. I mean, I, I guess so. But I don't know. You see other animal droppings all the time. Um, have you ever pooped in the woods, Tom? I have not. Okay. I, I I have not. Maybe that's what I need to do. Is that a rite of passage somewhere that I'm not knowing of? Yes. Today, you got to stop whatever you're doing, and you got to go take a dump in the woods. I'm trying to think somewhere in Tulsa where I can get away with that with ease. Now, can you imagine being on somewhere like Turkey Mountain? Like you could say, you know, you've been to Turkey Mountain before, oh, yeah. haven't you, here in Tulsa? Yeah. I mean, yeah. What if you get stopped for indecent exposure? You know, they don't they don't mention that. I'm guessing maybe Poland doesn't care. Or maybe if it's, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You know, some people, they say, you know, if you get caught peeing outside or obviously pooping outside, you know, then... Do you get indecent exposure if you're trying to poo in the woods, right? Right. Can yeah? Can you imagine being taken in for? Oh, they would just cite you. Uh, they would just write you a citation, I'm sure. But you come before the judge to get it waived, and you just show up and they say, "Well, what are you in for?" And you go, "Your Honor, I'm in here for taking a shit in the woods." You know, if I'm a judge, I'm throwing that out. They don't. They don't mention that to you know how to avoid. An indecent exposure. I mean, what do you what do you say, Jones? No rules, Jones. If if you're taking shit in the woods and a cop or a park ranger tries to write you a citation for showing that ass, then you just show that ass even more. I mean, what do you say? Are you, are you as you game in the system like you do? do I think you you're know? already knee deep at this point. That you just say, damn straight, I'm taking. Uh, a dump in the woods. Do you, do you take the citation and pay it, or are you showing up in court for a shit in the woods? I think what you do is you take that citation and you use it to wipe your ass. There you go. What? Yeah, can you imagine the... And hand it back to the uh, the trooper. There you go. Well, that, uh, that would be a very bold strategy. Depends on who you're working with that day. That would be, that's straight out of a movie. Write that down. That's got to be in the next comedy film. Now, I know that you don't speak their language, but of what you can see, what are they advising on how to do it? What are the, what's the step-by-step process? So let's see, pulling it back up here. It looks like they want you to like dig a hole. From what I can tell, I wonder if I wonder if I there's a tweet. I wonder if someone. Okay, that's already it. too much work. Right, I'm not. If I have to take shit, I'm not. If I have to poop in the woods, I can promise you, it is not. It's gonna have to be quick. Like, it's gonna be. It's not gonna be a methodical process. Well, yeah, I gotta take a poop here real quick. Let me just go ahead and start digging a hole. So it looks like they say. What I can only imagine to be a hole and then poop in it. There, I'll send this to you. 
It looks like a bare ass. That's it's, I don't, they could have drawn this better. It looks like they had a five-year-old do this, but it's funny nonetheless. Um, I'm trying to make out what the, it looks like. How they have it, it looks like you would be peeling back sod. Like if you were peeling back sod and then pooping and then laying the sod back down. And then there's a smiley face with a thumbs up. This is, I can only imagine if I could translate, it's like, congrats, you just made a successful shit in the woods. I don't know. Great job, kid. Right, you just successfully pooped in the woods. I guess maybe I'm bitter because I've never successfully pooped in the woods. I don't know. Yeah, that's what you got to do. And folks at home, we encourage you to go ahead and do this, to get through that rite of passage. Do it responsibly. Yeah, please poop responsibly. (laughs) Or don't poop at all. (laughs) Write us a five-star review and poop in the woods, or don't poop in the woods, or leave us a review at all. Perfect. That's a great way to transition out to the end of today's show. Big thanks to John Kurtz for joining us. Also, Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor for stopping by as well. Subscribe to the Jones Support. New episodes out each and every Thursday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us that five-star review, or don't leave us one at all. And also check us out on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter, at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, and at TJ Media Group, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, and it's the Thomas. You can find us there. We're off next week. I will be enjoying myself in Nashville. And uh, we'll catch you back on the other side as we'll just be a couple weeks away from football season. It'll be here before we know it. So we'll break it all down for you uh, when we're back in uh, two weeks. So look forward to that. For Thomas Bridges and our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you in two weeks.